deep in London's beating heart lies a wall. I'd like to it be if you know the call. For if the wall steps aside, be not afraid of what you see. Cause the wizard world has opened up as has the Griffin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Shrieking Shack. This is a Harry Potter reread podcast for Laps fans. I'm your host, ZC. And I'm Liz. And Liz, the gamer's anguish. No. It has no. risen. It has risen once again. Mm. We we all we we were all ready to put 2020 behind us and say, you know what, 2020 was bad, but 2021, no gamer anguish. Yeah, the, the the games they're coming. Yeah. Unfortunately, that seems to not be the case. Can gamers not catch a break? Gamers, <laughs> there is n- name 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 a, a class. Of people more oppressed than the gamers. I simply cannot. It is impossible. You can't. That every everything good is taken away from the gamers. Mm-hmm. Hogwarts Legacy, the Harry Potter Skyrim that we have been uh, uh, doggedly reporting on for <laughs> years now uh-huh. um, was finally announced at the end of last year, the Video Game Awards or whatever, um, and is now. Oh no! It was at a place. It was even weirder. It was at the PlayStation Five event. <laughs> Yeah, it was. Like, That's um, why I uh, wasn't expecting it at all. Yeah, it, it kind of fell out of nowhere because it was like, well, there's De- De- Demon Souls and then Harry Potter. Um, but uh, they they have kind of they kind of went radio silent for a while. Like there were no new screenshots. They posted that GIF from the trailer of like mm-hmm. the troll swinging yeah. its club around. Yeah, there was, was some like, gamers anguish from that. When will we see real... new footage? Yeah. And the answer is not for a while, it seems like, because mm-hmm. um, they they finally uh, 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 posted something. It was a new screenshot, to be fair, of Ollivanders. Um, but uh, they they had this to say. We would like to thank fans from around the world on the tremendous reaction to the announcement of Hogwarts Legacy from our Portkey Games label, creating the best possible experience for all the Wizarding World and gaming fans is paramount to us, so we are giving the game the time it needs. Hogwarts Legacy will be released in 2022. This is a genius move, um, because I think they managed to make this statement, uh, if not on the same day, at least within like 48 hours of the uh, Dear Gamers, we're so sorry, Cyberpunk post. Cyberpunk post. That, yeah, I'm not sure, I'm, I'm not sure whether it's total coincidence or if... They had this in their back pocket, and we're like, we've got to break the news at some point, and then saw that happening, and we're like, now go, the time. go, go! Yeah, I could honestly see it being <laughs> that. Um, this, yeah, the cyberpunk thing where where the the like the CEO made the video where he's like, I am so sorry, dear gamers, um, it's all the QA team's fault. We're so sorry. We're so sorry. It's my fault, but it's really QA. It's it's so it's, yeah. It's my fault, but also it being my fault means that I I uh, the buck stops here, and then I can pass it around however I see fit. Mm-hmm. Is how that is how that works, right? Um, and it was QA's fault actually, and yeah, that was that was really something. Um, I liked the timeline they put up. That was like, here's the roadmap. And it was like 2021, multiple patches and improvements. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you, guys. Yes. As if what what as as we all know, what this game definitely needs is more of a deadline. 
that's going to help yep. everyone working on it is is more ambiguous deadlines anyway i'm 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 kind of with you on the conspiracy brain thing there i think that the harry potter team was like we gotta we gotta tell them um but when when but is the when? right time and the time the time <laughs> couldn't have been better because i you know i opened this episode saying like the gamer's anguish but i gotta say um not much of that actually in the mm -hmm. response to this there's there's i i think i think in in like a broader and like this is both i think good and also a little sad um i think cyberpunk might have finally hammered into people like oh damn uh these take a while to make the way i like mm -hmm. um and and maybe because every reply and every YouTube comment or, or every uh, Reddit and, and and Twitter comment was like, take your time. We don't want another cyberpunk. Yeah. So <laughs> which I'm sure is the exact response that the Harry Potter team, uh, you know, the marketing team wanted here, mm -hmm. um, which is why I, I think I think you're right. I think they might have might have seen this and were like, hit the button. We're doing it now. Yeah, um, I, I'm not sure. It might have been delayed before this Dear Gamers video. Um, so maybe it's just it's just a fake coincidence. coincidence. But yeah, um, what a great day for them to do it either way. A great day for them to do it. And and very, <laughs> I think my, you know, everyone obviously, of course, being very optimistic that like, oh, this means no crunch. And like, mm, well, let's not get too ahead of ourselves here. Mm -hmm. Um but the other part, I think the most optimistic post that I saw, other than the, like, uh, take your time, we don't want another cyberpunk, is on the subreddit, there were multiple people going, I bet that they have been reading this subreddit and they've been seeing all the good ideas that we've had. <laughs> yeah, I bet. And, and, yeah, and they're, definitely. they're, they're listening to the fans. This is great. They're, they're taking fan input. They saw all the great ideas we had. This will be... Uh, a fully open world MMO with a uh, good and dark side path that are completely mm -hmm. different. There will be a Dementor internship um, that you can take if you do a bad spell at school and get sent to Azkaban. Um, and and it's going to be the greatest and biggest video game of all time. It's going to be a full 80-hour RPG for each year that you're going to be at Hogwarts, <laughs> which they have extended to all seven years. And don't forget the uh, multiple branching paths at the end once you graduate that have new 80-hour stories depending yeah, on what there's, job there's you pick. End game, there's endgame rating. It's going to be great. Mm -hmm. um, did you see the one piece of actual gamer anguish here? Is that people saw this because the screenshot that they released alongside this um this announcement to kind of tide people over is a screenshot of a bunch of students and uh a like 1800s cop looking into the ollivanders window like the shop window i everyone... thought it was from wizards unite when i saw it <laughs> there, yeah there is that aspect um hogwarts legacy and wizards unite are both such generic titles mm -hmm. they they're completely interchangeable to me mm -hmm. um but they, th so it's like a screenshot of them like looking in this shop window, and everyone was like, "Oh, at least they confirmed Diagon Alley, because it's Ollivanders." And then a bunch of people had to point out, "No, it's Hogsmeade because there's there's like an Ollivanders branch there that they've added in this one or whatever." Does an Ollivanders branch in yeah, Hogsmeade? Yeah, Ollivanders is like a um uh, uh like a like a a uh, chain a franchise. It's a chain, it's a chain yeah. store. Yeah. 
I yep. thought he was like a craftsman. I guess he could have a he could have a satellite location. Yeah. Yeah, but no, it's it's this is apparently a screenshot of Hogsmeade. We will not be going to Diagon Alley, I don't think. Um, but a lot of that was like the one piece of real true gamer anguish was like I was told that this game is gonna be an MMO and that I could go to Diagon Alley. Who cares? It's a strip <laughs> it's a strip mall. It, <laughs> Diagon Alley being the like I don't know, like the 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 crown jewel, the like the the paradise of Harry Potter for fans is honestly a little sad sometimes. I think like we I think we talked about this a lot in in like book six or whatever when they go there for the last time. But it's like it's kind of it's just yeah, it's a strip mall. Like it it's a store. It sucks. Yeah. Also, it has a legacy of sucking in the video games. I will not forget the <laughs> the the Gringotts um uh ride thing from the first PlayStation yeah. game, and also the peacock puzzle where you the have to peacock. chase the peacock Fuck. through the oh, like God. maze of boxes. It's so yeah. bad. Yeah, we maybe that's something we need to um you know catalog as we go through the games. Eventually, is how is their depiction of Diagon Alley? Yeah, but like, what's the upper, like, <laughs> what's the, the, what's the ceiling possible? on the Diagon Alley? Yeah. Like, is there any <laughs> world where it's not just like, at its best, you go in the store and there's just an NPC there to like, sell yeah. you stuff? That's kind of, I think, I think the, the platonic ideal for uh, um, Diagon Alley is like, kind of like a JRPG town, right? Yeah. Or it's like, you go there to like, buy your items and that's yeah. it. Yeah. And there's cute, cute music that plays there. I can see that being pretty good. I kind of wonder if the Deathly Hallows games uh, are going to have like a cover shooter level in Diagon Alley. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, are there going to be chest high wall? Is it like carts yes. knocked over chest high for Harry to hide behind and shoot spells all over the top of? Maybe it'll be like a front facing camera Crash Bandicoot situation. Oh, ooh. oh back to the Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> prediction oh i love that uh-huh yeah yes and they're like Abs- the death eaters are behind you and they're trying to roll like a big rock <laughs> over you or something <laughs> fuck yes oh okay yeah wow that's gonna be better than the video game we get for sure yeah anyway that's kind of our big news this week they delayed the game honestly not really that much of a surprise I don't think I No, do people not work this into their mental calculations when they're like, okay, here's this so, unless it's yeah. Nintendo and they're like doing a Nintendo Direct and they're like, okay, uh hey, we're announcing a new game. Uh we made it already. It's coming out tomorrow. Yeah. Um pretty much any of these where they're like, yes, it's coming out Q2 2021. I'm like, okay, we'll see it in Q1 of 2022. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm used to delays by now. It's it's no secret. Um I just, I, I guess I just, like you said, like, worked that into my mental calculus already. Mm-hmm. I, I, I sort of assumed that summer 2022 was be, would be when we would play this game. Right. Uh, I mean, like, the the other part of it, too, is that I, I don't even know, I mean, like, it could be both, right? But I don't even know if this is a, like, oh, shit, the game isn't progressing as fast as we would like it to thing. I think it honestly is like, well, the movie got delayed again, right? So mm-hmm. this thing has got to come out at the same time ish so it can be like a cross marketing platform yeah i think that could be a huge boon for the movie honestly i don't think the movie is a boon for the game but i could see people playing the game and remembering they like harry potter and then being right. like yeah sure i'll go see the the new harry potter movie when you were a teen did you ever like get any of the like 
licensed video games that had like movie tickets in them no i don't think i ever did that because i i I remember a couple of those like i had i think it was the star wars episode three game on the ps2 that came with like two tickets score yeah two tickets to go see the movie when it comes out and like uh i think the king kong game did that, that used to be a thing it was like here not only do you get the game but you get the tickets or like a ticket or something to like get you to go see it and i kind of i could see them bringing that back for this like please for the love of god go see the harry potter movie <laughs> um but with no no real other news to cover this week mm-hmm. i instead poked around in like the news tab to see what else was going on sure and i have a little fantastic beasts quiz for us wonderful um because this is from and i don't know if it's going to feature the same amount of music knowledge but this is from the same website with the dobby music quiz came from oh this is from alternative press wow. uh, and they they released a quiz yesterday called which fantastic beast creature are you Aren't they like a music news? Yeah. Like alternative music? Yeah, it's like where you go to read about emo bands and stuff. Yeah. But uh they've got they've got a little quiz here about Fantastic Beasts. No idea why. I have zero idea what prompted it. I'm sure Oh. <laughs> you know exactly what prompted this? Hmm. Um this I I bet this like is was sitting in the CMS for a day that Fantastic Beasts was trending. Oh, because they have the quiz up top and then you scroll down and there's more on Fantastic Beasts. And it just has in November 2020, we learned that Warner Bros. asked Johnny Depp to step down from his role as Grindelwald. The entire thing <laughs> is a recap of the Johnny Depp story. Hilarious. So I'm at, this this probably got like auto pushed because like the Johnny Depp stuff was trending again. It's just some SEO. Just some SEO. And we're and here we are handing it It worked. To him. It worked on us. Here we are. Which Fantastic Beast creature are you the most like? The big button says, let's go. I am hitting it. Let's go. Okay, well, this is... mm, The first question. I think this is cheating. Pick a favorite creature from the Harry Potter franchise. (laughs) You can't... That's not how this works. No. Um, Our options are Mandrake, Phoenix, Basilisk, Hippogriff. Okay, are we, like... I'll agreeing ask, on one or no let's let, i'll ask you and you can answer i think okay that's fun what are my options again my favorite your, yeah your options are yeah pick a favorite creature and your options are mandrake phoenix basilisk hippogriff hmm i'm gonna pick basilisk because i think snakes are cool snakes are cool basilisk oh here's a great question sure which Newt Scamander quote stands out to you the most? Oh, so <laughs> so many of them. <laughs> Before I read the the options that they chose, can you like just give me uh, one? You can know, you give me it's, one it's Newt just so, there are like so many good ones that I just could never pick. <laughs> you know, you know how it is, where it's like so many. C- come to mind immediately and it's like oh no i just could never we're spoiled for choice honestly (laughs) uh but the four they narrowed it down to four amazing memorable quotes that we all yeah all of these were on the tip of my tongue for sure right yeah um there are no strange creatures only blinkered people oh yeah i love that one 
I'm sorry, but I can't admire people whose answer to everything that they fear or misunderstand is kill it. Okay. They're currently in an alien terrain, surrounded by millions of the most vicious creatures on the planet. <laughs> humans. Wow, these movies are so good. My philosophy is that worrying means you suffer twice. I hate, I hate this. Um, it's hard to choose. These are all so good, and there are so many more Newt's Commander quotes. A, a few of these feel like I, I could have put those on my MySpace account when I was 14. <laughs> um... Uh, the one, the one with the word alien in it, I guess. They're currently in an alien terrain surrounded by millions of the most vicious creatures on the planet, humans. I'm always, I'm always quoting this, <laughs> is the thing. This, so yeah. This is so easily memorable. his most quotable line. Everyone's <laughs> always saying this. Mm-hmm. Okay. More and more people are saying this. <laughs> <laughs> Which movie character do you identify with the most? Oh, oh, again, so many choices. Yeah. Hard to narrow it down to just four. Sure. But the options are Newt Scamander, <laughs> Credence Barebone, Jacob Kowalski, or Queenie Goldstein. Um, I mean, I guess, I guess Queenie, because, you know, like, ladies things. <laughs> You know, yeah. Fair like, enough. don't don't look in the suitcase. It's got ladies things. It's got in ladies it. things in it. I don't really identify with that. <laughs> Queenie Goldstein, what would you hide in your pouches if you were ladies things? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> what would you hide in your pouches if you were a niffler? Money and other treasures. I mean, that's the answer. Other people's Starbucks orders. What? Food, specifically a Wendy's four for four. What? Or or is this, PS4. A, is this a sponsored post? Yeah. What the fuck is this? Is this native advertising just in one question? Starbucks of this quiz? and Wendy's. Yeah, and a PS Five. Yeah, these are all other than the treasures. It's the. I mean, I have, to, branded. I, I have to pick the treasures because if I was a Niffler, that's their whole deal. That's literally, I mean, I guess the implication here is that, like, if you were a Niffler, a Wendy's four for four would be a treasure. No, I would not be a Niffler. You'd be no, a Niffler. Niffler's exactly. like treasure. <laughs> exactly. Money and other treasures. Okay. Which creature would you like to see most in Newt's suitcase? Now, okay, hold on. Now, are they? Do they mean which creature would I like to see? <laughs> I'd like to see that guy in Newt's suitcase. <laughs> or do they mean which of the? I think they mean which creature in Newt's suitcase would you most like to see? Yeah, like of the ones that are in yeah. there already. I want to pick the big eyeball guys. I love those guys. Those are moon calves. Yeah. And unfortunately, those aren't an option. What the here. fuck? Your options are Billy Wig. Okay, we we need. <laughs> We we need to hold on. Let's open. I need to open up a tab here because I don't remember what these all are. Billy Wig, um, Billy Wig is oh the Billy Wig is like the blue bug that they chase through the street. Oh, that looks like nothing to me. It's just a bug. Yeah, I mean, like no offense, I I like bugs. The bugs I love can bugs, be cute, but it's like a CG like yeah fun, funny 
funny like gadget more than even a creature yeah yeah no, no to be yeah to be clear no offense to bugs bugs are great just like if this is a normal bug mm-hmm. you know if i was if i would if i was choosing one oh, magic what creature, magical creature would i like to see this bug the yeah. bug please. no uh number two option is the doxy that's the, those like fairies right ye- didn't we see those those are the no, those are pixies. I was thinking of the Lockhart classroom ones. Okay, well, here I'm going to show you what uh, Google image search pops up yeah. for us. Because I... <laughs> what? Oh. Huh. Okay, so number the number one option is it's a little, it's a little creature... Yeah, it's got like four legs and four arms, and it's like a weird, freaky-looking fairy. I don't. Re- is that in the movie? I don't remember that. I don't know what that thing is. The other picture is a vibrator. It's, a, it's an adult, a... an adult massager <laughs> uh, that is, to be fair, the same color. It is the same color, and I guess it might be called Doxy, but that is that is the second image result. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think this is in the movie. I, it's, like I don't yeah I mean the picture that you have sent me is an illustration not a oh not a, a hold CG on beast. I've I I, sp- I I like narrowed the search down mm-hmm. to Doxy Fantastic Beasts yeah and I there's it's it's different it's not a little it's not a little I mean it's a little creature but it's not a little fairy. This this must only appear in like one shot. It's another bug. It's another, it's another bug. Bug, but it's got like a lizard face. This but is it like is a... which of these bugs in new suitcase <laughs> was... do you want to see? It's a real bug. Again, I like bugs. Nothing against and bugs. Then another one on this list is going to be bow truckle, and that is also just a little bug. It's a little <laughs> stick bug. <laughs> is this like like which when bug do you want to see? When Newt takes his show on the road, and you're really excited, <laughs> like, oh, I'm going to see the moon calves. I'm going to see the hippogriff, and it's like, no, I've got bugs. I, I yeah. can only bring the bugs. Um, well, number option number three here is the obscurial. Ah, no, I, that's yeah. like that's like the tortured soul of a child. Yeah, you definitely don't want to hang out with that guy. No. Uh, that's, that's bad, it's, bad it's news. It's like doing, like, NVIDIA tech demo in that room there. Um, no thank you. Yeah, not, not good. You don't, you really don't want to hang out, uh, uh, with, with the Obscurial. The other option, the final option here is the Graphorn. Um, which, again, I don't think appears in the movies. It appears in the trailer, funnily enough, for... Hogwarts Legacy. It's this thing. It's the big rhino. Oh, really? Guy. He's this cool. This is like a Star Wars monster. Yeah, he's this cool. This does not he's... look like Harry Potter to me. This is no. Star Wars. This is this is something that was in the arena in Geonosis to me. Yeah. Which is so, not bad, but like... No, it's very cool. So here's my options as I understand them. Two bugs. Two bugs. The tortured soul of a child yep. or a Star Wars Geonosian arena monster. Yeah. That's what they picked? Those this are the like, four this choices. Is, this is like the only question that I had an answer for. I was like, yeah, I wanted to see those funny, funny blue cow yeah, big eye guys. They're cute. No. They've got big eyes and they make a they make that like whoop noise. They're very cool. Yeah. 
this is very bizarre. Um, I think that this Star Wars monster would kill me. So no, yeah. thank you. Okay. Um, I'm bored with the boring bug. So I guess I'll pick the more interesting bug. The like fairy bug? Yeah, I guess so. Okay, we're going with the Doxy. Yeah. My name's Doxy. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> that did critical damage to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, what would you like to eat at Kowalski Quality Baked Goods? I hope there's a savory option because I'm more of a savory right, sure. type person. Okay, well, your options are uh, Demiguy's Pastries, which I believe we did see uh, um, uh, in, in the movie. Were they were they like shaped like I mean I don't remember the ba- the touching bakery scene unfortunately. Um, it's, I'm assuming they have like some sort of icing on them, so I'm guessing this is a sweet option. Yeah, I I, I would assume uh, when they say pastry, I'm pretty sure they mean like it's like a Danish, you know? Okay, like it's yeah, pretty sweet. Oh, it could be a cheese Danish though. Ooh, those are pretty Which good. Which are pretty sweet, but they do have a little bit of a savory a savory component. Yeah. Uh, Niffler roll. Okay. Irrumpent shaped bread. So that's pretty savory. That's bread. Sure. Or, uh, Jacob's, and I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing this, the Pounchki, Patchki. Oh, sure. Uh, uh, one of those. Um, I'll just take a loaf of bread, I guess. To just go for the, the Irrumpent bread. Just feeling, feeling savory. Yeah. Okay. Pick a spell used in the films. Uh, Petrificus Totalis, Alohomora, Revelio, and then Apare Vestigium, which I don't remember what that does at all. <laughs> I don't know what that does. Apare Vestigium. Let's look that up really quick. What is Apare Vestigium? Oh, the tracking spell. Oh, it's the thing it's the thing he does to make look more hidden footprints appear. Oh yeah. I guess I'll pick um like Alohomora, because all the other ones seem like not very useful. Yeah, Alohomora is this that just seems like a useful like you forget your keys. That just seems like a good spell to have. Yeah. Which Grindelwald quote creeps you out the most? Again, oh, so, so many, many yep. quotes to choose from. He is a looming presence over the film. Uh huh. He's constantly appearing to say scary stuff, like, <laughs> like, uh, scary stuff, you know, like, just you know, you know how it is. <laughs> it's too scary to say, honestly. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of that one quote that I really like, just because Johnny Depp delivers it in a weird cadence, <laughs> oh like he, like he does, like he doesn't your know where the your true is going. identity. <laughs> yeah, I like that yeah. one. Okay, let's see. I don't know if that's yeah. Okay, so the options here are uh, magic blooms only in rare souls. Am I picking a scary quote? Yeah, which one creeps you out the most? Oh. Okay. The, the disapproval of cowards is praise to the brave. I don't know what that means. The beast of burden will always be necessary. I mean, that's just like stupid. Uh, and then will we die just a little? I would like to object. <laughs> that is not in the movie. That was in the trailer. That is not in the movie. He never says that because it's will nonsense. Will we die just a little? Will we die just a little? Yeah, it makes what no sense. What does that sense. mean? No fucking idea. 
no no clue where he was i mean like again they took it out of the movie because it's nonsense but it is like the the like dramatic like stinger that the trailer ends on i remember um i'm not i don't really feel very creeped out by any of these really by any um yeah so i have to pick that last one just because it makes me go like what you know <laughs> yeah i guess it does it does kind of have the cadence of a creepy thing to say sure pick a department within the ministry of magic department for the regulation and control of magical creatures wait <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna read. I'm reading these in order to you. Okay. Number one, Department for the Regulation and Control of Magical Creatures. Number two, Department for the Regulation and Control of Magical Creatures. Mmm. I think they messed something up here. Oops. Uh, number three, Department of International Magical Cooperation, and number four, Department of Mysteries. Well, I'll pick the Department of Mysteries. That is literally the only cool one out of these. Yep. Uh, so yeah. What is your Hogwarts house? Well, Slytherin, obviously. Yeah, Slytherin. Okay. All right. Let's see. All right. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. You're a Thunderbird. Oh. (laughs) You have a larger-than-life personality and make waves wherever you go. You're a true showstopper, just like the Thunderbird. Wonderful. You're the big bird that flies away and makes... And lives in his native Arizona. (laughs) It makes the rainstorm happen mm-hmm. uh, and and it gives everyone memory wipes. Very convenient stuff. So good job. Yeah. The movie is sort of about that bird. Yeah. The movie forgets that bird exists for about an hour. And I do, too. Um, yeah. Because he just hangs out in that case. There's no real stakes or anything. It's weird that that wasn't one of the options of like which of the suitcase uh, animals do you want to hang out with? Yeah. Well, maybe is that maybe why all those options were so lame because those are the answers because yeah because those are the answers those are so it's like i could be a moon calf perhaps yeah or, but... or perhaps a bow truckle yeah well i wonder how we could game the system to to, to say you're a moon calf because those are funny little guys i like they those. are so funny they're cute they're very good all right well that was that was fun but we've been putting it off long enough i think it's probably time that we got into our chapter for the week my summary is so long yeah this chapter is kind of long i'm gonna miss stuff because there's so much that it's just a lot happening um yeah so i will just go right into it this is chapter 31 the chapter we've all been waiting for the battle of hogwarts you know what it is Uh, everyone is in the great hall we've gotten up we've gotten the kids all up out of their beds because it's it's battle time slash evacuation time um as they're kind of sitting there, going like, what's going on? Uh, Voldemort uh, comes on over the loudspeaker, I guess. Uh, and it's his voice. And he's like, hey, dipshits, I'm going to be there. Um, if you don't hand hand Harry Potter over to me before midnight, I'm going to come kill all of you. But I don't want to. So you should do that. Um, and then the voice goes away. Everyone freaks out. Um, Pansy Parkinson at the Slytherin table is like, but Harry Potter's right there. We'll just turn him over to Voldemort so he doesn't kill us all. Um, and then the whole school, in a touching moment, gets up and defends Harry um, from the Slytherins, who are then banished because McGonagall is like, okay, well, you guys all have to leave because uh, you're evil, I guess. Um, 
Harry is sort of ambiently wondering where Ron and Hermione are as like battle plans are being drawn up. Um, and McGonagall ends up being like, hey, aren't you looking for something? And Harry says, oh, yeah, I'm looking for the Horcrux. Um, <laughs> so I guess I should do that. And he sort of just wanders away. Um, he's doing he's he's trying to give himself a brain blast here. He's thinking he's like, where could it where could it be? Um, and then a phrase sticks out in his head where he's like, nobody living um, knows where the diadem is. Nobody living. And then he decides to ask the ghost. So he asks Nick, hey, do you know where the Ravenclaw ghost is? And he's like, yeah, here she is, the gray lady. Um, he goes and talks to the Ravenclaw ghost, uh, who at first doesn't want to tell him anything, but then tells him everything. Um, I guess, like, content warning for, like, domestic violence, like, homicide, suicide, for some reason in this book, all of a sudden. Um, for no she, reason. She's the, she's the, um, the ghost of Ravenclaw is the daughter of Rowena Ravenclaw, and she tells a story about how uh, when she was alive, she was so pissed off at her mom uh, that she stole her prized diadem and then hid it in a forest and stopped talking to her mom. And then her mom became terminally ill, recruited her ex-boyfriend to go and track her down. Her ex-boyfriend tracked her down in the woods, said, hey, come back with me. She refused, so he stabbed her to death and then out of guilt stabbed himself to death and that's the Bloody Baron. Um, and the diadem was in the forest in Albania where she was hiding. Um, and Harry, you know, puts it all together. He realizes that the Grey Lady must have told Voldemort when he was in school about this story. So Voldemort uh, was always in Albanian forests and it comes up a few times. So he must have found the diadem in the forest and also returned to the forest because it seemed like a cool hiding place. And Voldemort must have come back to the school for his job interview to hide the diadem um, when he didn't get the job. So basically we've learned nothing because that doesn't help us know where the diadem is, except for Harry just has another like magical brain blast and is like, oh, I know where it is. I've seen it before. I've seen three statues of Ravenclaw by now, and I have seen a statue or a bust of some kind uh, with a tiara on it. I saw it in the room of hidden things in the room of requirement. And of course, Voldemort would put it there. He would think he was the only one that knew about it. Um, and so... Harry, like, goes toward there. Also, ambiently, this whole time, there is a battle happening, right? There's, like, <laughs> yeah. wand gunshots, uh, stuff exploding. It's all happening right now. Harry's just on this, like, side quest. Um, and as he's... Like, a bunch of things happen kind of in a row. And he's walking toward the Room of Requirement to get the diadem... Hagrid flies through a window, like crashes through a window and is like, hey, Harry, I heard Voldemort's announcement from my cave. So here I am to fight. Um, they part ways as he gets sort of closer to the room of requirement. They see Aberforth, who is like, all the students have been evacuated successfully. We should have kept some Slytherin kids hostage to bargain with Voldemort. Um, we also get a small like interaction with Ginny Tonks and Neville's grandma arriving. Neville's going to go or Neville's grandma is going to go fight with Neville and is very proud of him. Tonks asks where Lupin is, who is apparently like dueling somebody and she leaves to go with uh with him and Harry's like I you know thinks to himself um you know I want to tell myself it's okay but I know it's not going to to um Ginny has to leave. She's like 
hiding in the room of requirement, but she has to leave the room so that Harry can reset the room to make it the room of hidden things. So she's excited to not have to be in the safe room. Um, Ron and Hermione show up at this point and explain that they were in the Chamber of Secrets getting basilisk fangs to destroy the diadem when they found it. Um, They go into the room of hidden things Finally, and they split up to go find the diadem. Um, Draco, Crab, and Goyle happen to be standing like in front of it, intercepting Harry, um, and are sort of inquiring, like, what is the diadem? Like, what is he after? But they are there to turn Harry over to Voldemort, and Draco like wants to uh, get in better standing with Voldemort and all this stuff, and they'll be rewarded. And Crab is like extra evil in this scene. Um, they get into a scuffle. Um, Harry kind of has his like last showdown with Draco. Crab and Ron start fighting somewhere else. Um, but they're cut off by um, a big, huge fire spell being cast, and the fire is out of control, burning up everything in the room. Um, the fire is animals, also. It's like in the shape of of animals and dragons and things. Um, and so Harry ha- Harry has to grab a broom with Ron and Hermione and like fly out of the room. Uh, he does turn around to save Draco, Crab, and Goyle, and in the process does like a cool Quidditch move to get the diadem and leave the room. Uh, they get out of the room of requirement, and everyone's alive except for Crab, who's dead. Um, and the fiend fire that we learn what it is also destroys the diadem. Um, the battle is happening all around still, and they kind of go to join it, uh, and they run into um, Percy, Fred, and George, who are dueling, and, you know, there's explosions all around. Uh, Percy gets, like, a very cool zinger um, at the Minister of Magic who shows up and is a Death Eater and says, like, I already handed in my resignation or whatever. Um, Fred says, Oh, you made a joke, Percy. And then Fred gets exploded and is dead. <laughs> uh, that's the end of the chapter. Oh, we. This was, a, this is like, this was a saga. Yeah. Um, And not because it really earned it or anything. It's just that like, this, this has a real sense of like, oh, right. I'm, I gotta wrap this shit up. Yeah. Um, and the amount of stuff, like just, just, just like hard plot stuff that we are kind of thrown haphazardly in this chapter is kind of staggering. Like there is a lot to work through here. There are multiple moments in this that are like some of the few moments that I remember from this book. Mm-hmm. Um, all crammed into one chapter. And the other thing that's really daunting is that the the few other things that I remember from this book, like before reading it, also haven't happened yet. So I feel mm-hmm. like we might be in for several very cramped chapters coming up. It's very busy. Yeah. It just kind of beats you down. There's a lot happening. There's there's a lot of location changes. There's not much um uh, like figurative story happening anymore. Nope, like none. Uh, like none. This is all plot. This is this is all just point A to point B plot movement. Um, which like 
isn't the worst because that's been a problem in this book is how little plot movement there's been. Um, but at the same time, it is it is way too much for one chapter um, th- it, to the point where I think there are ideas and scenes in this chapter that I almost like mm-hmm. um, or could see liking in a different context. Yeah. Um, but because they are given no room and they are almost like, like you just read a synopsis to me. Yeah. Um, and I think there is about as much juice in the chapter itself as in the synopsis. Like it feels, the chapter feels like a synopsis almost. The, the whole chapter is just, and then, and then, and then. Yes. The whole, it just, that is the, that is the structure of the chapter. Yeah. There's no internal, like re- really, well, there is a lot of internal Harry dialogue, but it is all in mm-hmm. service of him just so happening to, uh, mind palace, this mystery together. Yeah. And and it and it is like like I'm talking really broadly at the, like at the top of the chapter here, but like I think the mystery could have been really good. Yeah. Um, the individual elements here are neat, but because this chapter is so jam packed, uh, and just moves like we like we're saying, just from like beat to beat to beat to beat with no no breathing room and no real time for like the scenes to do anything other than present basic plot. Uh, 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 literal facts to us um, is that it just never says anything about like the story or characters like the story the story is just happening these are just events there there's a lot of stuff in here that I I get the feeling could be even a whole book the the whole thing right. with the the diadem and uh, the gray lady and the bloody baron like that feels like it could be a, an entire novel. Yeah. But it is an afterthought here. Yeah. And, and, and it I, is so rushed and weird. And and it is and not only that, but it, like it is it it isn't even a matter of like, oh, this is interesting, but I'm disappointed by how fast it moves past. I think it is made it takes a an interesting idea and makes it actively worse by giving it this little space, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I mean, like, uh, there, that, like that's really the the, the big one is this that the the the, the Ravenclaw story is potentially a very interesting and 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 sad, tragic mystery, but because no one involved is a character and never will be, it's just set dressing. But like, also this scene at the beginning of the chapter with Harry, like, experiencing this like I'm Spartacus moment. <laughs> is also so rushed and full of like like no like 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 this is a scene that is taking place with like the like nearly the entire school standing up for him which should be this like amazing triumphant moment of like like wow this is so cool everyone loves harry we've been back and forth on this but like now when push comes to shove everyone's ready to defend him except that like l- zooming out there are so few people at hogwarts that we give a shit about and mm-hmm. every single named student who matters has already more or less sweared fealty to Harry by being in Dumbledore's army. Yeah, which which makes the effect that the actual named characters in this scene end up being literally Jimmy Peaks. 
yeah. a, a creepy brother, not sure which one, and yeah. Pansy Parkinson, who I don't think has had a single speaking line. Yeah, I think she, I think the last time she got to speak was like the beginning of book six, like in the scene where Harry did a back, a cool front flip into the- Oh, yeah, and she's like, haha, Draco, tell me about your cool summer joining, joining the Nazis. Yeah, yeah, I think that was mm-hmm. like the last time she had any dialogue. So it's just, this is, this is, this has the, uh, the rhythm of a, of a great scene that would be a a big emotional climax, but because no one involved is a character, and on top of that, we have gotten more or less the same emotional climax with Harry entering the room of requirement and seeing that all of his, all of the important named characters are there to support him. It's it's like okay, but we we've already done this part. I guess now <laughs> now, now it's like oh, uh, uh, not only do the named characters support you, but like the the the, the nameless RTS troops who, who oh are, Jimmy Peaks supports. Oh him? fuck, Jimmy Peaks is there for Harry. That's crazy. It's <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's really it really falls flat. And, 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 and in a way, that's a bummer because like this is such a gimme, right? Like everyone everyone finally standing up to to back up the hero mm-hmm. easily one of like just that that is just one of the like the the greatest moments in any piece of genre fiction just like it sure. always always feels good when when the characters all rally to i mean like like marvel spent a decade setting this up right with the last mm-hmm. in, like like people love this shit um and and here it's like no, none of the named characters are here, and it's just a bunch. Of, it's a bunch of eleven-year-olds we don't know about. Like, <laughs> it's, it's really lame. It's a bummer, and I, and and on, on top of that, the premise of it being presumably because this chapter has to have so much shit crammed into it, Voldemort is just has like voice throwing powers now. <laughs> <laughs> it is i he comes over the loudspeaker and we later find out not only was it like projecting to the great hall <laughs> but like projected around for miles because aberforth and hagrid both heard it and like hagrid is in a cave in the mountains and <laughs> aberforth is in hogsmeade like a city like like a couple miles away so a lot of people heard this message yeah what power is that it's it's very funny (laughs) and like it would be this is one of those things that like could be cool and mysterious right like wow voldemort is omnipresent and he has his evil voice that he can taunt people with but it 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 feels there's no way to escape it feeling like a a a power of convenience oh 100 percent. or it's like i've got to put so much shit in this chapter i need somehow for voldemort to deliver this message not i, I can't it would be lame if he sent an owl so, would it and, be what, what owl actually i think would be cooler have mcgonagall read a letter that voldemort sent that'd be sick what, what if he sent a patronus what? Why didn't he send a Patronus? Oh, wait, then we could find out what Voldemort's evil Patronus. This would be the dark Patronus reveal. Right? Yeah. There you go. This is how or, we find- I mean, even if it was a real, like, normal Patronus, it would still be like, what's Voldemort's happiest memory? Yeah. 
Yeah. Murdering Harry. Maybe. Yeah. Torturing yeah. Him. Killing Lily. Yeah. There you go. That would be But also evil Patronus. That'd evil be cool. Patronus. Yeah. That'd be sick. Fuck. Why wasn't it a Patronus? This Does nobody book- else have this like loudspeaker <laughs> power? Is this just I- his like special thing? Right. Well, that's. I'm just realizing now this book is the only book where the Patronuses have become like email. Right. This would be the one thing that would justify that. If you need if you needed a way for Voldemort to send a long distance message to a lot of people at once in a scene, and and you were like, well, I can't just have it happen out of nowhere. I guess I need to like haphazardly establish that there's a way to do this. Oh, I know, I guess it'll be Patronuses. That would at least like that'd be wobbly, but we would get there, right? Like, oh, this is why we got this new Patronus lore. But instead, mm-hmm. we get this Patronus lore for no reason, and then Voldemort has this new power for no reason, other than to conveniently relay this message to everyone. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess Hagrid wouldn't have heard it, but I'm not sure why we <laughs> care. Who gives a shit? <laughs> it's so funny, and it's so funny that, like, on top of it just being this incredibly convenient scene where, like, Vol- okay, Voldemort delivers this message, it causes the Spartacus moment... Um, the Slytherins finally make their choice, I suppose, and get kicked out. Um, uh, and all this is happening. And there's this triumphant moment where everyone's like, we're doing this for you, Harry. And he, in the meantime, has just literally forgotten what he's there <laughs> for. Yeah. Like Me too, though. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, me as well. But, like, that's bad. That's real. That's, that's not a- good. There's- when you write that in... You're not in a good spot, I feel. <laughs> You're really not. Yeah, that's that like several other moments of this book. I feel like when you put on the page your protagonist forgetting what he's supposed to be doing because he got distracted thinking about <laughs> his friends in the bathroom. <laughs> and it has to be reminded by a minor character like, hey, aren't you? Isn't there a ticking clock in this story? Oh, yeah. He literally says, what? Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> He's really invested in this, huh? Mm-hmm. Speaking of ticking clocks, it is so funny to think about our, our like, one of our major complaints with last chapter was how funny it was that we kept on getting these, like, intercut moments with Voldemort uh, in the cave and stuff. Yeah. That ended up making it a lot less tense. Yeah, that effect is doubled by the fact that the big moment at the beginning of this chapter is Voldemort appearing to say you have until midnight. Uh huh. So that entire ticking clock last chapter was only in place so Voldemort could appear again and say, "Okay, here's your ticking clock." He's being very nice about the whole thing. He is. He's being very understanding. He also. I real I, I I think the generous read of this is that like of course this is the point he is a liar, but I, I was laughing a lot at him saying I do not want to kill you. I was like, we we just had Electo Caro going like oh I'll know I'll tell him some kids did it so he can murder them. I I it's like such a mismatch of expectations where we started where he was just like hopping mad like out of control about how angry he was yeah. Which seems like 
I, that's like reasonable and also probably a good reason for him to do something foolish. Right. But now he's just like very calm and collect. Like I'm going to do, I'm going to, when it's like he has the like most powerful wand in the world. So I'm not really sure what the holdup is. Right. He is more or less walking into the school with a Gatling gun right now. As right. far as we know, um, there's really no reason for him to do this. Uh, I mean, like he is rushing into danger in a way that like, again, it's like, I wish he was a lich. We like he, he, his, his weird running towards the danger thing as he knows his horcruxes are being destroyed is very strange. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but like, like you said, like, like he, he should be behaving like a lich and is not. Um, also, he's in charge of the school, so I just... Right. I mean, I know he's not because the caros the are gone now, but I just don't know why he's not just walking in the front door. Right, yeah. He 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 is the president of, of you know, he. I mean, I guess he controls the puppet president or whatever, but, like, he is, he is ruling the wizarding world at this point. I'm just not bought into this battle thing. It is, it is, like, I knew it was going to be silly going into it, um, I really was not prepared for the little details in this chapter that made it even funnier. Mm-hmm. Um, this this bit when okay, so the, once Harry remembers what he's supposed to be doing, and we get like these little details of like how the castle is being prepared for battle, like stand on the towers. That's yeah, fl- yeah, like they're they're taking Flitwick and Sprout up to the towers, and there's a line McGonagall says that, like. Or, uh, uh, is it, who's talking? Oh, it's Kingsley. Kingsley says they'll have a good, good positions from which to work spells. Like, they're talking about, like, archers <laughs> in a medieval battle. Uh, then they have, like, Fred and George have a, have a, have a badass moment where Kingsley is like, we need someone to cover the passageways and entrances. And they're like, sounds like a job for us, because we're the pranksters. Yeah. It is like i knew that it like like i knew that like in abstract it was very silly because it felt like a lord of the rings battle i didn't realize reading before i read this chapter that no it's not even that it's like there's a thin veneer over it where underneath it is just one of those It, it just is that like they're talking about like like just like movie battle tactics it's very funny it should be no surprise that i feel that Harry Potter is the wrong place to have a Lord of the Rings battle, yeah. but I am just like, I am, I am not bought into what is happening here, here or the scale and scope of it. It's very strange. It's, it's, I, I, I'm sure a lot of people found this extremely exciting at the really? time. I, yeah, I, for whatever reason, I mean, people. I'll never understand it, but people mostly seem to like this book. Really? Uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't I, understand. I don't know. I, I but, but like, I, I guess, I guess I could see like, oh, finally the big battle that we've all been waiting for. And I'm like, I, I really was not waiting for a big battle. I think no. that's the last thing that I want out of Harry Potter is a big battle. And I it's, like it's, battles. It's hard. Cause like, I know some of my stuff with this is like, purely a subjective like preference thing because Mm -hmm. the tone that the battle takes on is not one that i enjoy very much because in a lot of places it's like very swing back and forth between like triumphant marvel battle where everyone's like saying zingers to each other and then these like moments of of tragedy 
and I can't say like that's bad because I feel like that appeals to a lot of people sure. and the, and that's not me mm-hmm. I, but it just doesn't it just doesn't land no it, it, it's very i'm like not in the sense that it's comedic i i mean like it, it but in like the, the genres it's, it's very comic book right like mm-hmm. it's 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 uh it's it's very splashy there's again there, like you're saying like there's a lot of like zinger dialogue and a lot of like uh uh I mean, like, we haven't gotten to it yet, right? But, like, the infamous one from this this book, which is a, a, a moment that is repeated a lot in, in similar, like, echoes in this chapter, is the, like, not my daughter, you bitch thing, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's, like, it's cool that it's it's crazy that Molly said a swear. Right. Um, and we get a lot of, like, the, like, the Percy thing is like that. I think that's kind of what we're supposed... I think that's kind of, like, the goal of this whole thing is, like, wow, it's so crazy to see McGonagall uh uh say snape did a bunk and uh and then like go on the battlements to to like get ready to do cool magic archery like it's just i'm sure i'm sure a lot of people thought this was fucking sick i am not one of those people this is exactly the opposite of what i want from harry potter um but i think also it could have been a better, like, you know, I like fantasy novels. I like battle scenes. I've, I've read a lot of good battle scenes, watched a lot of good battle scenes. This is also not a good one, right? Like, it's, it's, it's delivering on neither front here. I, I don't buy that a battle would look like this in this world. Right. Yeah. Why would it? It's, it's, th- this is a world where everyone has, I mean, this is the, um the avatar last airbender thing right or it's like the thing i think a lot of people liked about that series but like was that all the action sequences and all the fights in that like really felt like they considered what that world would look like you know when people could do those things could like you wield those powers right this is like when they're talking about like oh you've got to get to a high vantage point to like uh do spells from it's like you you're talking about archers like these are these are functionally archers like oh you need people to watch the 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 um the passageways you're talking about sappers Mm -hmm. like there's a front line uh yeah like it it is like, like things that are exciting in that context in like a i mean like Redwall we talked about last week a little bit right where it's like these are all things that would make perfect sense in Redwall. you've got to get some good archers up to the battlements you've got to get some sappers to like block the 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 passageways in and we're when we'll hold them off at the keep and you're like fuck yes i love this like these little these little mice are gonna have a cool sword fight yeah but like that's because that is a that's the those are the tools that those characters have in the story this is a this is a I mean Voldemort just threw his voice to an entire state it sounds like at this point <laughs> right like yeah. like I want something a little more creative than just like archers but magic and sappers but magic and and troops but magic you know like it's do something else with it we've got I mean we're also just at a high school with 30 people like that's <laughs> a that's not a that's not a a battle between two armies, but it's right. like the text thinks it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is for a book that has always been. And like, this is something I sympathize with, with JK Rowling, right? Where it's just like, she, she said before, she's not good with numbers. Um, she like in interviews, she's talked about like, yeah, I'm not, 
I'm not really thinking about like numbers and dates and uh, uh, like population counts and stuff, right? Like she's sure. admitted that. Um, but I think that being a good writer also entails recognizing those things you're not good at and either like working to improve them or just avoiding them, right? Like. If you're not good at those things, don't do things that require that. Very difficult to make a compelling battle where you don't actually know how many people each side have. Right. Like, that's kind of like the part of a bat. Like, when when in Lord of the Rings, sorry sorry to be a big Lord of the Rings nerd here, but, like, when Aragorn tells Theoden, hey, there are 10,000 guys coming to, <laughs> to this fort. You yeah. have 600 people. Right. Uh, you gotta Uh-oh. get your yeah. You've gotta get your shit right. Uh, yeah. That that is that th- there's a story, right? Like, oh fuck, that's those are incredible odds. That's gonna that's gonna suck for those six hundred guys. Here it's like, ah, how m- there's a there's nebulous amount of Death Eaters coming and a nebulous amount of Order members coming, on top of however many of age students are at Hogwarts, but I don't think is that many. <laughs> so it's it's just kind of like all already before the battle even begins we have no actual idea of like what what the like makeup is right kind of important for a battle i don't know it's just like, i just don't think there should have been a battle no I'm sorry i think no. that's where i'm coming down on this is that Absolutely. just like even if it was just voldemort walking through the front door or them trying to stop him from doing that i think is better in scope and scale for this story than it than trying to go through the motions of a lord of the rings battle yeah that if you like zoom out or think about it for like two seconds it just falls apart because really at the end of the day every single scene we get are appears to be like a 1v1 between like 10 people <laughs> which is fine that's like a different but that's like a different kind of thing but it also just makes Voldemort look lame like yes like the the i think the solution or not solution is the wrong word but like i think i think that a way to do this that kind of kills multiple problems here um would be to to when we when we were discussing this last night you brought up an incredible suggestion which was that like there should be no one in the school except harry and voldemort yeah which i love the, that the idea. hogwarts showdown right, right. because because like there, there's multiple reasons why that would be cool number one gets rid of the fucking stupid battle like yeah that's the most important one number two it somewhat at least justifies the whole like voldemort still being obsessed with his high school thing because mm-hmm. it, it makes that like it, it, me- it makes it a showdown between harry who is like appropriately school-aged versus voldemort who is this character who wants to be immortal and doesn't want to let go and like here is a like f- like a very obvious on the nose metaphor for that of like him re- like you know coming back to the school to fight harry right like he will not let go of his past yeah. And will um, and refuses to move on to death or or whatever uh-huh. whatever life lies beyond him. Oh, themes? Its... Yeah, themes. Crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Um the other thing is that like it it makes Voldemort the threat, which he is not in this battle. No. Because he is nebulously elsewhere and is just sending messages in and like will only walk in 
once the battle is like like he's he is the the again in a medieval battle story this would still be cool if he was like the coolest king evil king or whatever and he would only step in once the battle is won to like duel the hero or whatever sure makes total sense but like here it makes zero sense just like for all the reasons we've talked about like the the the, the tools available the way battles would work in this world um but like why can't he just instead of delivering this magic message walk into the great hall and just start fucking blasting right he's got the elder wand mm-hmm. everyone has to run out and evacuate and it's just harry and uh, uh voldemort left because harry still got to find the horcrux and voldemort got to stop him I mean, honestly, I wish that McGonagall wasn't doing this whole epic routine because yeah. at the at the end of the day, I think that she would be better off supporting Harry by saying, like, my responsibility is to the school and yeah. and the children that are here. I'm getting everyone out because yeah. school is under threat. Yeah. You do what you have to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's it's it makes so much more sense to, like, make Voldemort the threat because he has he he has not been a threat this book. To Harry. No. Uh, the closest he came to being a threat was the, um, the, like, aftermath of the, uh, Batilda Bagshot stuff. Mm-hmm. But even then, he just kind of was a clown and showed up too late. And, like, <laughs> <laughs> they'd already left. Like, he's, he's really not been very active, which is fine, but, like, he's never been very active in this series. And to have him continue to not be very active in the final showdown is very funny. Yeah. Um but uh that's all that's all set dressing. The real meat here of of just shit to talk about, I think, is as this evacuation is is progressing, Harry suddenly remembering ghosts exist. Yes. And being like, "Hey, nearly headless Nick." I need you to tell me where the Ravenclaw ghost is. Why is everything so roundabout? Like, I was thinking about this, and I know we talked about it a little bit last week, but the fact that we had to have McGonagall, like, fight the Caros, and then she tied their hands, and then (laughs) she imperioed them, and then she put them in a net, and I'm just like... (laughs) Why does everything have so many steps yeah. that are fundamentally meaningless? <laughs> it's not pieces of a mystery. It's not like clues leading you to one thing. It's like Harry being like, hey, Nick, who is the Ravenclaw ghost? Yeah. And it's like, what? Harry? Well, especially just... especially because it's like the whole thing is being like, like Harry and Voldemort are kind of the same and they both have this like innate connection to the school. And then the next moment he's like, hey, Who's this ghost? Yeah. Yeah, it's... It also compounds... Like, I... I don't think it's bad, necessarily, that, like, so many minor characters are suddenly very important. But it really compounds how much that's happening in this book by having Harry go to a minor character and saying... Hey, can you tell me where an even more minor character is? <laughs> <laughs> like it, it, it's just not um, utilizing the characters that 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 exist that we know that have a lot of great. Uh, uh, I mean, like, why why isn't it moaning Myrtle? I don't know. Like, like I like nearly headless Nick, 
but it's there's zero reason for it to be him in this scene. Um, because he he has not been remotely important to the story since book two. Uh, like like he is he is nobody. He is comic relief character at best at this point. I mean, if it if this really had to be our farewell to Nick, because I understand that that's what's happening here, is right. that every single like character that we have any connection to is getting to say their goodbyes yeah. because we're at the end. Yeah. I think that he should have just told the story because the Ravenclaw mm-hmm. ghost shouldn't have wanted to tell some random person, but it would make more sense that the that he that she would have known Nick for long enough that yeah. he would he would know the backstory. It would be awkward because it would have to be him basically saying exposition about another character, but he'd be, have to basically do the Aberforth right? again. But yeah, I think it would. Be, I mean, there's characterful ways to do that, right? Like, yeah, like, and I think it also is a callback to the connection that Harry had with Nick, that Nick would, like, impart this to him. Whereas, like, the gray lady telling Harry something is just, like, meaningless to us. Because well, Nick has always been an oversharer mm-hmm. uh, in these. And, like, he's very needy, right? And so I think I think that it would be very in character for him to, like, see Harry wants something and for him to go, like you know, I shouldn't be telling you this, but I actually do know the story, right? Right. Uh, uh, like, I, I could see that working, right? Like, and we sort of, it was, it would characterize Nick a bit more, right? Like, it was kind of a gray area. Like, oh, should he really be telling Harry this? Well, I guess it is the end of the world, right? Like, it's, it's yeah, yeah, there, there's a, there's a version of that that makes sense. And it um, works for like his other stuff with Nick, where it's like, oh, should Nick be inviting like three eleven year olds to his like weird death day party? Right. Probably not. But yeah. he's a ghost. He kind of has a different set of social mores about death. Probably right. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's cute. There's there's ways to make that work. Instead, he's like, that's her over there, and Harry chases after her, and she like goes away because she doesn't want to talk to him. And he's like, hey, no, I really got to talk to you. Um, this is. I think one of the most baffling conversations in the series, like just, just to like, just like to, to not, not necessarily like overall scenes, but things that are just a character talking to another character and mm-hmm. the conversation they have, I think easily one of the worst and most ill-considered ones in the franchise. Yeah. I, I think it's up there. He, approaches her she doesn't want to talk to him he asks if she's ravenclaw and and then she lets slip that she's uh ravenclaw's daughter she's very wary of 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 him because i guess a lot of other students have asked for the diadem before um and he he kind of like you know presses on he's like no 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 i'm not i don't want like my grades to get better um this is a life or death situation and I, I think at the part where he was like, no, I don't care about my grades is the part where I'm like, oh, this should should have been book two or three. Like, this is yeah. like little kid. Like, this is story for kids book, Harry. That's what I think is so disappointing about this. This scene is that I actually think I mean, I guess similar to the Ariana story, right, where I'm like, I don't think the pieces here are that bad. Mm-mm. I think there's a really compelling idea here behind this mystery and the way harry pieces it together and like the characters involved because like this this is um 
uh, kind of in in the same realm as like some of my favorite accidental moments of Chamber of Secrets, right? Of mm-hmm. like, oh, you mean to tell me that this like English wizarding institution is built literally on a legacy of racism? That's cool, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And like, this is a similar thing where it's like, oh, the like the legends of these uh, 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 house uh, heads of house um are are actually a lot less uh uh majestic and cool than you might think they are voldemort has like continually kept himself alive uh uh, uh using artifact like, like you know you, voldemort this evil evil wizard who wants to like live forever has maintained that power by keeping these like legends alive right about mm-hmm. about like like there there's a through line here that i think could be woven oh, yeah. into something very fascinating yeah uh and like the history of violence that's here like it's ve- like like it's it's very cool potentially yeah uh-huh. extremely not cool in practice to just have this this lady ghost be like oh i don't want to talk about it but actually here you go here's all of the information you need right like just just really um thoughtless and boring and like uh, uh distasteful i guess which is a shame because i like the pieces in theory um it's also pretty amazing that the story that she tells really doesn't serve a purpose other than to basically jog harry's memory right yeah and remember the time that he actually did see the diadem but there's no part of the information that specifically like helps him or tips him off again it's like going through the motion of clues or like things falling into place but they don't actually mean anything right yeah um i i just i it's it's not good and it's so crammed in here it's so rushed and weird the whole scene is surreal because it's like the, the the conversation they have like you said feels like it it this is like um, six books worth of of character development crammed into one conversation. Mm-hmm. If I feel like if this Ravenclaw ghost had been a fixture throughout the entire series, like, hey, who is this mysterious woman that's like following Harry around? Uh, what is the deal with the um the diadem? Uh, uh, why does she not trust? harry as soon as he asks about the diadem right like like what what are these all of these are like individual clues you could put like one of per book and this could dovetail into like an incredible reveal right of like wow this has been set up for so long this was handled really well uh uh like this has a thematic purpose right Mm -hmm. um and instead we are treated to the scene where harry is like behaving like he is piecing together this incredible death note puzzle in his brain but it's it's using information that he learned a page ago and right. has, has no no weight uh for the audience here the only link is albania right yeah that's the one thing that was in a previous book uh which it was like oh right voldemort was lying low in albania as a ghost uh i i wouldn't mind a version of this book 
where we spend the whole time at Drac- like evil Hogwarts and Harry thinks that he's trying to gather like it, it would be like introducing the idea that like oh if there's Gryffindor's sword of course there would be Ravenclaw's diadem yeah. and Hufflepuff's cup and he yeah. thinks that he has to get them to have the power to fight Voldemort but actually they're his phylacteries yeah yeah I could see that working just anything to to tie these things together as a story you know and that's why the like the like the, the like the legacy of hogwarts thing is so frustrating is because it's like yeah i think there is a really cool story there like these objects do represent something i don't think it's the thing jk rowling thought they did clearly right because as as much as voldemort's a bad guy hogwarts is supposed to be like the cool place you're supposed to love forever and think about yeah it's the brand it's the brand the video game is literally called hogwarts Hogwarts legacy Legacy. yes yeah right it's so like the story that we're weaving about like damn the chamber of secrets and the the like the the uh the horcruxes and the 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 ghost that's also meaningful i mean that's totally us bullshitting a good story out of these pieces right because like that's clearly not the idea here but it's so Mm -hmm. frustrating to look at those pieces and be like damn there could be a good story here I think that putting a, like, murder-suicide as an afterthought into a one-conversation backstory with a character we've never spoken to is is so bizarre. Oh, it's beyond tasteless. I mean, it's, it's like, these are the two things J.K. Rowling knows are sad, is children dying and domestic abuse, right? Like, those are the two things that happen, that are alluded to, to make a story seem sad. And, like, yeah, those are really bad things. That sucks to murder children, right? But, like, it is... Uh, there is... Like, I could... Like, I, 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 I have no other way to describe it other than, like, I could feel my soul's eyes rolling when I mm-hmm. got to this reveal. Because it's, like... I just had flashbacks to being in the theater uh, when we watched Crimes of Grindelwald and we got the backstory about like, oh, yeah, my mom was tricked into like sexual slavery by this bad guy and had this baby and then the baby was murdered. And it's like, that's the that's her only story. Uh, uh, Like like that is that is the one like horrific backstory she can come up with and she just deploys it with such like care like it's not even a thing of like hey if you think about it you know uh this author's all this all this author's books are kind of similar right because that's most authors right like people Mm -hmm. tell the same stories over and over again but most do not do it so transparently and like as an afterthought you know like 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 this is on this is on less of a like, oh, authors chase the same themes level and more of a like aesthetic, like, oh, Quentin Tarantino puts feet in all his movies, right? Like, <laughs> right. like J.K. Rowling always puts baby murder in all her movies. <laughs> like, it's it's just so, it's it's like an aesthetic flourish, but it's a really boring flourish. I, I just don't really get why it's always like expository dialogue about a side character, too. Right. Yeah, and, and it's always... again i i guess she must just assume that like well this is horrible and abstract so the reader will feel something but it's just is 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 that i just don't understand why it's there because really at the end of the day harry had to be like oh yeah i saw a statue of 
in in the the hidden room right that that had the diadem on it yeah it's not even it's not even um her, like the ghost that that like triggers the real memory it's him walking over the funny gargoyle head yeah later i i and and i think that the thing that the, the story that the ghost told was confirming something that i thought we already knew because harry walks away from that conversation at having figured out when Voldemort got the diadem. Yeah. And making a wild guess that I really don't feel is based on really <laughs> anything real other than the book is saying that its objective is that Voldemort went to the job interview and must have hidden the diadem while he did that. Which is very funny to think about because like Vol Dumbledore is so icy to him there. He's like, he did like get out of my fucking office. Right. Right. The idea that like Voldemort then just like waltzed on down to the seventh form was like, well, I will just dig make one more stop on my way out. Like it's very funny. I, I just like I thought we were already here to find the diadem, so to reveal it as a like answer to a mystery that the diadem is in fact in Hogwarts is so bizarre. Yeah, it feels bad. It feels backwards. Like, yeah, we know it's in Hogwarts. Yeah, we, we, that's why. That's why we're here in the first place. Yeah. Harry may have forgotten, but I didn't forget. <laughs> that that's why we came to Hogwarts. Honestly, the most galling part of this whole ghost thing is the part where she's like she's very reticent to tell him anything at first. Uh, and then she finally spills her guts about the whole, the entire thing. And Harry is completely just like, not, not very outwardly sympathetic. I is what I'll say, um, has a very weird thought about like, like, but he, he, he's so disgusted that she would like, as a teen would like steal this diadem or whatever. And he, mm -hmm. he has this moment where he's like, yeah, you and Voldemort did have something in common, stealing things that didn't belong to you. It's so vindictive and weird. Yeah, like Harry really does not have much sympathy for this this murdered ghost. Um, but uh, the part that's re that really stuck in my craw and will probably never leave is her saying. Oh, uh, you know, like I, I, you know, I, I've never told anyone about this except him. And he, he intuits that that's Tom Riddle mm -hmm. and does not think twice about that. Just like, damn, maybe it's bad that I'm like weaseling this information out of this, like <laughs> abused and murdered ghost. Like <laughs> the only other person who did this for their own gain was fucking Voldemort, who was good at like tricking people emotionally. Like, like Harry being told that like, damn, you're really good at emotionally manipulating people is very funny to me. I mean, he even said it's, it's such a bizarre sequence because, you know, she's saying that he, she only told one other person, Tom Riddle. He thinks very vindictively in his head, oh, yeah, you would tell him because you both steal shit. Yeah. And then out loud, he says, well, he could be pretty manipulative. It is. That's it is Harry so, being manipulative. It is so strange. <laughs> it's so weird. But also, like, it, it is odd that he doesn't think about it, but at the same time, he really didn't manipulate her. She just kind of told the story to him yeah. for no reason. Yeah, yeah, it, it is, it is, it is, like, ghosts of other stories that could have been told appearing rapidly, right? 
Like, I guess either this ghost is an oversharer and everyone knows this mm-hmm. story. And it's kind of like the, mo- like there's a version of this where this is like the moaning Myrtle thing. Right. Where like, there's kind of some dark comedy to it where like yeah. she, she can't wait to tell people about her tragic past. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, that, that is, that is a mystery of the caliber of like, books one two and three which yeah. is like oh nobody listens to everybody's been looking for this diadem but nobody listens to ghosts but harry is like the the good the good guy like yeah. kid character so like he'll listen to what the ghost has to say yeah he he is he is uh a newcomer to the wizarding world and perhaps doesn't have the same like like social uh, uh um he's not used to ghosts being around right so he's like damn there's a cool ghost i'm gonna go talk to the ghost uh yeah that makes sense um like there's no there's neither any black humor to this nor is there any like serious gravitas and like you've got if you're telling this story you've got to have one or the other right because it's just she basically just tells him a wikipedia entry about her life yeah which is just so nothing like it's it's just it's it's and like we get this lore about the bloody baron too who is like again not a fucking character right like learning that he like this makes him less scary because like the whole thing with the bloody baron is that like even the ghosts are kind of wary of that guy right and like before we've learned this that's kind of a fun detail right is Mm -hmm. it like he's this kind of grandiose ghost and he uh, uh he he's he's such a like pompous dickhead and he's kind of scary that like even the other ghosts who are dead and can't like die again are like kind of afraid of him that's f- i i always assumed or or like kind of guessed that the whole thing was that he was like a little warlord or something right. and that and that was like the joke or like a or like an evil baron that just like got killed in his sleep or right he or was whatever. like a fe- yeah i just imagined like a feudal like medieval warlord guy right he was like unpleasant to be around yeah um but like not knowing made that fun now mm-hmm. now that we know that like all the ghosts avoid him because like he murdered one of them and they're all stuck in the same building is like kind of just that sucks for everyone involved really like i guess you could do like a dark comedy thing with that but it doesn't it just like plays it really straight yeah. and, and like the to and it's it's hard to uh not mention that this whole time that this is happening there's like a cartoon like lord of the rings battle happening outside (laughs) so it's like how does this have room to be a dark comedy or even just be a sad story when just like like explosions are happening zingers are going off and oh what are hermione and ron doing in the dang bathroom like it's just it is such a mess this scene is like when you're like playing mass effect and you like talk to someone mid battle but you have to like put the controller down to go get some water or something and you just hear the like like happening in the background right like it's it's the the as soon as you remember the backdrop of what's happening here it shatters any emotional weight this scene could have 
Like I just went I just went back and reread the the Harry's like vindictive thought in his head and it's yeah. like worse than I even remember. Okay, okay. Cuz just like fr- like he is hearing this story of this dead ghost whose mom sent her ex-boyfriend to go get her. Yeah, crazy and he, story and, by the right, way. Right, like insane. And then like he got so mad in like very realistic, you know, domestic abuser type situation and killed her because she wouldn't do what he wanted her to do and then he killed himself and then harry thinks and and she's like telling about how she told tom riddle this i had no idea he was flattering to me he seemed to understand to sympathize yes harry thought tom riddle would certainly have understood helena ravenclaw's desire to possess fabulous objects to which she had little right jesus that's his reaction really yeah his reaction to being told that her mom like purposefully sent this guy after her like this is a witcher quest like beyond the fact that the guy's name is the bloody baron like even setting that aside (laughs) this is this is a like tragic witcher quest where like the 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 ghost has like some really horrible sob story to tell you yeah but like harry is harry is just like well fuck fuck you then oh you stole something stole something thief like yeah really J.K. Rowling kind of telling on herself a little bit here. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's it's rough. It is really, really rough. There's also, there's the part of this that makes no sense to me, which is the reason that she tells him all this is because he's like, this is a matter of life or death. I'm here to stop Voldemort. If you care about Voldemort being defeated or the school, you need to tell me this. Does she care? Why would she? She's a, She's a ghost. Ghost. Yeah, exactly. She's a ghost who uh, has a, a, like expressed resentment for the students already. She's like, I'm tired of these. I'm tired of these punk ass kids asking me for this stupid hat. <laughs> like, like, yeah. She. Why would she care? She's a ghost. What is Voldemort gonna do to her, do to her? Zero, zero attachment to to the. I mean, Voldemort likes the school. I mean, he's not gonna like blow it up. So if her thing is that she's like stuck to the school, which is also weird since she was like killed in a forest in Albania that she lived in. Yeah, why is she here? Hmm. Yeah, it's just it's it's very. It's, it's all over the place. It just doesn't it doesn't mean anything to Harry. It doesn't mean anything to her. She's not a character. Doesn't tell us anything about the school. Like it, it rushes so fast. It goes through every possible thing it could mean and just ends up being basically bullet points on a whiteboard. Like, here's what happened. It's it's very, very silly. Uh, th- There's a very funny part where it's it, it's phrased awkwardly and it sounds like Harry gets like a face full of ghost titty. That's, mm, mm-hmm. that's, I remember, that was something I remember the subreddit, be, like, being a subreddit joke for a long time, of, like, rem- remember the time a, a ghost flashed Harry, and I was like, <laughs> that's stupid, that definitely doesn't happen. Honestly, it does, like, there, it's just very poor, I mean, like, it's not literally what's happening, but it's so poorly written that it really seems that way. Can you read that part to me? Uh, the Baron? You mean the Bloody Baron, yes, said the Grey Lady, and she lifted aside the cloak she wore to reveal a single dark wound in her white chest. Yeah. (laughs) It really does read, like, she's just like, yeah, check this out, like, took her top off and showed him, like... (laughs) 
<laughs> I know, I know that we're probably meant to infer that she like it's it's her white chest because she's a ghost and it's probably like her clothes underneath the cloak right yeah the, but it also but, goes out of its way at another point to say that she blushes but it's yeah. really weird because because it's How? like again like kind of like poor writing i think or like confusing because it's like she wasn't able to blush, but her cheeks became more opaque. And I'm like, so she did so blush? She blushed, right. So she did, but she's a ghost? <laughs> Harry's kind of getting everyone horny in this book. Yeah, and yeah. He's, he's back. He's, he's, he's here to do some dirt. And all the, all the ladies are like, oh, okay. This Harry kid. Yeah. Kind of weird. Um, let's move on from the ghost thing. It's very bad. Uh, uh, but we've got a lot of el- uh, other stuff to get to because is it is it after this that uh, Harry like walks away and then f- a fucking like the Resident Evil dog jumps through the window and, and hits- yes it is yeah <laughs> so talking about the cartoon battle stuff yeah can you walk walk us through what happens here so we're walking away from this very dour. Um, you know, murder suicide story yeah. for a character we've never met before. Uh-huh. And Harry's, you know, walking down the corridor. There's some battle battle noises happening, and he's like, "Oh shucks, where is this diadem?" Um, lost in desperate speculation, Harry turned a corner, but he had taken only a few steps down the new corridor. Awkward. Uh, <laughs> when the window to his left broke open with a deafening, shattering c- crash. As he leapt aside, a gigantic body flew in through the window and hit the opposite wall. Something large and furry detached itself, whimpering (laughs) from the new arrival and flung itself at Harry. Hagrid, Harry bellowed. Ah. (laughs) It's the Resident Evil dog. So what broke the window? Fang. I'm assuming. No, but the window broke, and then Hagrid and Fang, who were, like, holding each other, fly through the broken window and hit the opposite wall. Right? It's very poorly written. I mean, like, the the scene that that, that takes place after this opening is very confusing, because Hagrid, like, leans out the window and, like, like, Thanks, Grop. Thanks, Grop. And then Harry's like, what was that? And like, Hagrid is like, oh, I asked Grop to set us down. What is it? Mm -hmm. He says, uh, Grop was carrying us, fanging me, told him to let me down at the castle. So he shoved me through the window, bless him. Which this really doesn't read like a sh- This reads like they cannonballed in to me. <laughs> like, he just... Yeah, they hit the opposite wall, yeah, right? Yeah, they, base- they got baseball chucked into the- into this room. <laughs> it's very weird. It- but, like, <laughs> what a hard pivot from this ghost sharing her story to <laughs> Hagrid smashing through a window <laughs> and hitting the wall and being like, what's up? Like, that is what happened. Yeah. Yeah, that's not exaggerating. That's literally how this <laughs> chapter goes. Like, and he's like, I heard Voldemort's voice from my I cave. Yeah. He 
he's here because he was hiding in a cave with Grop. Presumably, need I remind you that it's because he had to go into hiding after hosting a support Harry Potter party yes, in his ran. hut. This is after he like, like engaged like like boss fight mode and like smacked a bunch of guys around and jumped and like Kool Aid manned out of his his house. Yeah, into the woods. Presumably, scooped up Grop along the way and went to hide in the mountains, kind of like beyond the Forbidden Forest. So. Voldemort's voice carried a long way here. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, in fact, Hagrid even says voice carries a lot, doesn't it? Or something like that. And then he's here to fight just in time. Just after Harry hears this horrific story of, of, <laughs> of tragedy, he's here to like bust in the window and be like, okay, the story's funny again now. Like really, really jarring. Yeah, I think this is in one of those moments where I just, I knew there was going to be going to be a big battle. And one of the scenes that I didn't expect was Hagrid just getting th- thrown through a window to say what's up and then go away. It's, Hag- I know Hagrid is like a tough guy, right? Sure. But being baseball lobbed through a window <laughs> and hitting the wall and then just getting up and brushing himself off and being like, all right is uh that's a lot that's that's new that's new lore i think for hagrid's hagrid's powers here definitely um i and and i think just just broadly this is like this is this is not the first moment in this chapter that has a bizarre tone shift uh uh this is gonna keep happening and i happens enough in this chapter where i feel like it had to be on purpose like jk rowling had to have sat down and said i'm this this chapter is gonna have so many twists and turns it's gonna make you laugh it's gonna make you cry because it's like this is the first of like at least three of these moments where like something horrific is explained or happens and then just like a fart joke happens like right after it. (laughs) It, it is it is so is swinging so wildly here i guess that's sort of like the marvel thing i'm talking about where i feel like it's sort of me subjectively not liking it yeah but i don't like it well i mean like i the thing is it's like i like stories that cover a lot of tones right like i'm i'm certainly not (laughs) that that fucking tweet thread from the insidious director i think it was Mm, this week where mm -hmm. he was like Oh, genres correspond to emotions. Like, oh yeah, uh, and it's like, well, no, both stories have like a, a lot of emotions, different emotions in them. I'm yeah. certainly not saying a story shouldn't have like tonal changes or, or or whiplash or anything, but it is like, I, I think that it's really poorly handled here, um, mm-hmm. and not, not, um. It doesn't it like like a, a good tone shift is like disorienting in kind of a delightful way. Um, but I feel like if I if I was Harry Potter and a ghost had just told me that she was murdered by this guy and then I was walking away being like, damn, that sucks. Except he isn't. Yeah, all. he wouldn't. No, he I'm just saying like if I was unaffected. if I was Harry Potter, that is how I would feel. I'd be like, damn, that kind of sucks. And like yeah. and like 
if Hagrid just like bust through a window was like, what's up? I'd be like, man, not now. Like, I, <laughs> I gotta go. I gotta go process this. <laughs> right. I'm, busy. I'm talking to this ghost. Like, you ask the ghost. You're like, do you need to speak on this? Like, what? Yeah. What do is, you need, can I do anything? Right. Yeah. Do you need to talk to someone? Do you like? Can I help? Is there something I can like, do? Maybe we should get this other ghost out of here. <laughs> do you need to evacuate? <laughs> <laughs> Instead, Hagrid's just like, what's up? I'm here. I'm funny. <laughs> yeah, we get a few. And there's like a bunch of comedy moments in a row. Like we get Neville throwing mandrakes, uh, which I think are like lethal. So yeah, he's just like throwing bombs, explode, right? I think. Yeah. So that's cool, I guess. Yeah. Oh, there's the there's one of these that I think is good. There's sure. ex- there's exactly one thing that's like a sad and funny thing happening at the same time, which is like because because this whole scene like Hagrid, Harry turns from away from the ghost through this corridor and it's basically just this gauntlet of like here's some battle shit that's happening like yeah. ha- Hagrid's there uh, he runs past Neville and Sprout um, Fang and Hagrid run off and there's this moment where ha- Harry uh, uh, sees some gargoyles that he recognizes that, that like the statues have been broken. Mm-hmm. And there's this very funny moment where he like steps over and it's like the, the description is very kind of creepy. It's like, oh, there's this broken gargoyle that's like twitching on the ground. Yeah. Uh, and then it like opens its mouth and it's just like, oh, don't mind me. I'll just lie here and crumble, which is very funny. Like, I, I liked that line a lot. Just like this, mm-hmm. this, uh, this Flintstones gargoyle turning to the camera and being like, hey, it's a living, you know, like, that's, <laughs> that's pretty funny. So yeah. like it, it can be you can do this. You can you can make these like sad moments funny. Just like you got to have some sort of deft touch to it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um but this is where he truly has his mind palace moment. Uh yes. and and this is this is the moment that like renders the Ravenclaw ghost thing completely pointless. Because he sees this gargoyle's head and then he like enters his logic realm and is like, wait a minute, I've seen I've seen statues before. I've seen statues before. Its ugly stone face made Harry think suddenly of the marble bust of Rowena Ravenclaw at Xenophilius' house, wearing that mad headdress, and then of the statue in Ravenclaw Tower with the stone diadem upon her white curls, and as he reached the end of the passage, the memory of a third stone effigy came back to him, that of an ugly old warlock, onto whose head Harry himself had placed a wig and a battered old tiara. The shock shot through Harry with the heat of fire whiskey, and he nearly stumbled. He figured it out. It is the, it is the fucking Sherlock Mind Palace scene. It is. He thinks about all the statues he's seen and then and then remembers the statue with the tiara. He did not need to talk to the ghost for this. No. We could we could have sidestepped that subplot entirely, which like to be clear, I think that if that story had been given more runway, perhaps an entire novel where he was at Hogwarts and she was a character, it would be great. But as this book is structured the way it is, just cut that shit out. It doesn't need to be there. Harry could have Harry could have had this epiphany as he was walking out of the Great Hall when uh, uh, McGonagall said, aren't you supposed to be looking for something? He could have yeah. walked into that hall. I mean, like, it would be functionally no different if he, like, walked into that hall, saw a gargoyle and was like, wait a second. I've seen statues before. Going back through all the statues I've seen. 
and, and, and entering my mental Rolodex of statues that I know. Um, Circa Duggan gets to say his goodbye here. Yeah, that's a cute little moment. I know we were asking about him a couple couple chapters ago. I do miss that guy. I like Kaduggan. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't really do anything or say anything here. He's just hello, I'm Kaduggan. Um. But this this revelation Harry has about like, oh, I've seen the diadem before. It's in the room of requirement. <laughs> this is maybe the flimsiest solution to a mystery that there's ever been in this series. Um, I think you only get to use the vanishing cabinet room once. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. You don't get to double up on that. I don't think first, like that's a big one for sure. Um, but also the, the mental gymnastics that Harry has to do are ridiculous. Um, and also like plainly incorrect, Mm -hmm. even though like this, this chapter is dripping with the defensiveness that we point out a lot of the time of like, yeah. I know that an audience member is going to ask me why didn't X happen or why did X not matter? Like this, this scene where Harry is like thinking to himself, like, Oh, it makes, it makes perfect sense. No one else or Voldemort thought that no one else knew about this room. Yeah. Which is, absurd on its face for like 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 reason number one there's other stuff in that room the function of the room is that hundreds of other people have found it right that is that is like the entire way that the room functions is that so many students across like the whole years of the school have needed to hide things have found the room and put so many things in it that it's hard to find those things in there Right. That's the function of the room. That's the entire point of the room. You go in the room and there's shit everywhere. Like, like there is, this is not a case. Like there is a, if, if this was a room that you entered and there was just like nothing except like a plinth with a box on it that you put your object in and it like magicked it away. Maybe this could be excusable. And it turns out that it ends up in this like infinite warehouse thing. There's like a big Indiana Jones warehouse that none of the students see. But no, you go to the warehouse. Yes. Like, like the, the, we, Harry has been there. Draco was there. Uh, and, and the, the part that is so funny, um, and this is skipping ahead a little bit past, um, past another scene that happens in between, but, but I think that it is, it is, it is worth just, just talking in, in rolling in with this discussion about his like statue revelation here is, uh, Harry, Ron even points out that, like, this is stupid. Like, like he is the audience surrogate. He says he never realized anyone could get in. Um, And Harry says he thought he was the only one. Too bad for him. I've had to hide stuff in my time. This way, he added. I think it's down here. He passed the stuffed troll and the vanishing cabinet Draco Malfoy had mended last year. <sighs> Yeah. Who told Draco to mend the vanishing cabinet? Right. <laughs> Plot holes happen. Plotting consistencies happen. They don't normally happen within two sentences of each other, you know? Like, <laughs> usually this is a problem that just gets compounded because you've written seven novels and like, oh, 
this technically doesn't line up with something that's said in book one, but oh well. But this is like, Harry is like, no, he never realized anyone else could ever find this room. He did tell Draco to use it one time, though. Like, come on. I don't know if Draco came to that plan conclusion on his own. Because I thought Voldemort was trying to send Draco on a suicide mission. Right. So, so like, may- maybe it's just, like, no- everyone is leaving each other on red? I, well, the thing is, is I assume that it, the information would have gotten to Voldemort, right? Because Dumbledore was killed. So even if it was in, like... But I guess it was past Voldemort. It still doesn't make any sense because the room is full of stuff that people <laughs> put know. in it. He would know. Did he think it was all his stuff? Like that that is the point of the room is that you get you become anonymous in the room that is used by everyone to hide their stuff. Right. That's like that's the magic of the room. It's kind of clever. I think that's a cute yeah. thing, but again, oh, that's cool. like kids book logic. <laughs> and and really only functions in a kids book that really puts a separation between the authority figures and the adults that just don't really get kids. Right. Right? Yeah. Yeah. This does not work here. It does not. It, it is so flimsy. It it really, really, and like again, it it it's made all the worse that it's written with that like classic J.K. Rowling defensiveness about like no, I will plug up every plot hole. He did he did not think anyone else could get there, and it's like what how what no way. It's also adult Voldemort who who hit it because right. we know objectively that it was when he you went- know. When he went for the job interview after he'd been working at, like, Borgen and Burks for a few years. This would be a great hiding spot for, like, the diary. Yeah. When he was, like, in school. Yeah. Because like, yeah, he was just another student that would have found that room. And then that works as, like, a parallel between him and Harry. But he was just, like, an adult working, like, a normal job at the time that he put this in here. There's also... Uh, another thing that really stretches like credulity here which is this 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 thing that harry keeps repeating that to to the audience to like to, to, that, that explains why this makes total sense is that like voldemort knew even more about the castle than dumbledore because dumbledore was this like model pupil which i've that doesn't make any sense that's absolutely not who dumbledore is mm-hmm. um, uh but also dumbledore knew nearly all of the castle secrets like that that's that's something that is like a part of it like innate to his character right like he is he is the master of the school um he knows what the mirror of error sets about he he set up the um the the dungeon on the forbidden corridor right like he he even nods and winks and says he knows about the room of requirements right he he mentions he tells that story about how he really needed to piss one time and like found a a room full of (laughs) chamber pots Uh and he's like alluding to the fact that yeah yeah i know about i know about the room so on no level does this reveal function it's really something it it just it it feels like she just wanted to wrap up the book. Yeah. Yep. Speaking I, of, there's just like no other way around it. Yeah. Speaking of, let's get to Rod and Hermione, huh? Mm-hmm. Speaking of wrapping shit up, just getting getting this romance 
out of the way. Oh, I hate it. I hate oh, it. Oh, it's real bad. Walk us through this this touching scene. I don't even know. So they just show up and they've got a they've got like a dead snake skull or no, they have the fangs that they pulled out of the dead snake skull uh, in the Chamber of Secrets and are like, hey, Harry, we knew you were looking for the diadem. So and we thought that you wouldn't know how to destroy it. So we went down to the Chamber of Secrets to get some snake stuff. And he's like, wow, you guys, thanks. How'd you get in? Um, Ron listened to the snake sounds that Harry made at the locket <laughs> and then just imitated them to open the Chamber of Secrets. They just popped on down there to get some basilisk things. And then after this, like, you know, after the like, wow, geez, thanks, guys. Uh, Ron's like, oh, what about the house elves? How are they going to get out? We can't, they're slaves. We can't order them to fight for us. That would be evil. And Hermione gets so horny <laughs> that she like jumps him and is like making out. And Harry's like, oh, you guys can't it wait. We've got a battle to fight. Like not a joke. This happens. Uh, <laughs> it is so, this is, like, the wheels are rattling off and have been uh -huh. for this whole book. Yeah. Um, I think this this moment is at least one wheel just shooting straight off of the wagon. Like, <laughs> just all the way off. Like, the, okay. The, the idea that they remember the Basilisk Fangs because Harry has no way to destroy Horcruxes. That part... I will say that is like the one nugget of like a decent idea here because I'd it, like to see our character, our main character go back to the right. chamber of secrets. That might be interesting. Yeah. It might be cool. To, yes. might be cool to have the callbacks be experienced by the POV character and not the other characters off, like, you know, off somewhere else. Um, but like, I get it. It's like, yeah, we've lost the sword. So we do need a way to destroy the Horcruxes. And there is a Basilisk skull here. So yeah, okay, cool. Makes sense. We we need the Basilisk fangs. Um, this, so for one, just like the, the idea of it happening elsewhere is so silly. Because this is so fundamentally important, right? Like, how do we destroy a Basil? How do we destroy a Horcrux is like, should be a pressing concern. Yeah. Because he needs to, because he, he's trying to find them, and if he can't destroy them once he's found them, what's the fucking point? Right, and now we've got a ticking clock all happening, right? right yeah, like... so it's like, this This should be the A plot of, like, we've got to find a fucking way to get rid of these things. Um, the the first part of, of the, the many things in this scene that are, are like, truly damaging to my psyche... <laughs> Are is this moment where Ron, where Harry is like, but wait, how did you get into the chamber? Because again, classic J.K. Rowling defensiveness. That is, of course, the first question anyone would ask, right? Because it's like that was like the whole plot of the second book was how the fuck do you get in there, right? Um, and for Ron to just say, "Oh, I just imitated the sounds you made when you opened the locket." throws so much Harry Potter world building under the bus in one sentence. It's kind of amazing. I, I, part of this, I'm like, this is so interesting. Uh-huh. You know, if it was like, 
a concern or something that meant anything to the characters right, and yeah. wasn't literally just plugging a plot hole. <laughs> yeah. Because I, that does make me ask the questions, and I do think that that's, like, what good world building does, where you're like, wait, so parcel tongue is something you're born with and you experience as your native language, right? Because we yeah. know that. We know Harry experiences parcel tongue as speaking English. Mm-hmm. And he hears it and and thinks he's speaking English, but it comes out as snake noises. But if someone isn't born with the, the snake language... Does that mean that they could sit down and like study the sounds that someone who is born with parcel tongue makes and just also speak parcel tongue? Can you translate snake language? Yeah, could you Does this mean that like a normal person could like have a conversation with a snake? Is it like the difference between when you're like learning another language and you like experience it in your head, just the words are what the words are versus mm-hmm. like translate? Because that's like a like a mark of I, I mean, I only speak one language, so I guess I don't really know. But that's how I understand it. Right. Is It's like you start mentally like instead of translating literally every word you start to hear the words as they are. You're thinking right? the like, language, right? Like, it, yes, yeah. exactly. So could it work that way? Or no. I, I, I. Is that the difference? <laughs> I just like the, so much of book two was concerned with this idea of like Harry having something that was innately evil in his genetic makeup. Right. Yeah. Because snakes in Harry Potter and like, I don't, you know, I don't subscribe to this. I think snakes rock, but yeah, snakes typically yeah. a, uh, a, a a a pretty like culturally Christian like inherent symbol of evil thing, right? The serpent, yeah, the, 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 yeah, the wily serpent. Um, and like the book is so concerned with that, and I think for in, in a very stupid way, honestly, like 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 Chamber of Secrets is definitely better than this book, but like we certainly piled onto it for its hilarious like the worst thing I could ever be called is a racist guy plot line. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but taking that book at face value, I still think that like, there's an interesting story to be told there of like, yeah, if you, if, if you are living in a world where good and evil are literal and like innate powers and you have the evil power, like it's it's like star it's like the star wars like can there be a good dark jedi thing right right of like this is kind of a cool a cool thought experiment can can there be a good jedi who uses the dark powers can there be a good wizard who has the uh has the snake talking powers and the answer that that book kind of leaves you with is yeah sure harry is a good guy and he uses the snake powers for good he like he freed that snake who you know wasn't evil in the in the zoo? Uh, yeah, it seems like snakes aren't like canonically evil in right. this universe. They say stuff like "thanks, amigo." <laughs> right? Yeah. So, so, so the, the the it at least for for something that like I don't like agree with, but I at least accept as like a storytelling function. I was willing to accept the like, yeah, this is a this is an evil guy power, um, that Harry has, and. It it only works if it is a power, right? Because if it is just a language you can pick up, then the wizarding world has a lot more reckoning to do with, like, 
how they treat languages. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like if there's a la- if you learn there was a language that you could speak to like communicate with animals, that would be like culture shattering, right? Like if are all snakes just speaking language all the time right. in this universe? If you could learn to speak cow, everyone would probably be a vegetarian, right? Like uh-huh. like that would that would be earth-shattering to like learn that you could actually like communicate with these sapient beings you just needed to learn the language. And for this entire book to like, like this, this, this very crucial plot thing. We need to get the basilisk fang, so we have something to destroy the Horcruxes with. Hinging on, honestly, an earth-shattering revelation. <laughs> it kind of blows the whole thing open in a way that I don't think it's trying. To. Right, like Ron has discovered that animals are people, more or less. Right, like, like, and that that perhaps, uh, uh, even though it is apparently genetic whether or not you can talk to snakes it is also somehow not genetic and you can and like here is oh my god sorry to do the clap emoji thing but here is how you make this work this is this could be fucking perfect if this was a story about like actually anyone can learn magic and wizards and muggles have been separated. Uh. If, if this was like foreshadowing of like, no, there, there is an earth shattering culture reshaping sea change on the way. There's a secret that has been kept from everyone for centuries by these dark wizards that magic is not innate in your blood. And, Mm -hmm. and in fact, that is all bullshit and muggles have just been kept in the dark this entire time and that anyone right. can learn magic if they try that would that would that would make this work if it was like no parcel tongue like you might you might be born good at it like anything but like there is nothing stopping you from learning how to speak snake right that would that would themes themes you could have themes. nope nope <laughs> Nope. You can have themes in this book if you really want it. It's all about plot holes and stopping them. <laughs> this is this is the race this is the race that you run. You're always just trying to stay one step ahead. Digging new plot holes to solve old ones <laughs> on the fly. It's truly baffling. Like like this 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 raises so many questions that it that it clearly isn't trying to. Uh, also, gotta say, they didn't destroy the diadem with a basilisk fang, so this, this is, is all fundamentally pointless. meaningless. <laughs> so then, so w- there, w- there's that whole can of worms. That that yeah. whole that whole can of snakes goes by, and then after this this moment where Her- Hermione is just like, "Oh my god, he was so amazing. He spoke the snake language. It was so funny." Um, then. Uh, uh, they have they kind of have this conversation about like okay here's what the next part of the plan is I know I know where the the diadem is we're gonna go get it blah 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 Ginny you've got to get out of the room Tonks you've got to get out of the room bye bye I don't en- I don't enjoy the room logistics back no. and forth gotta say no two pages of of nothing um but then Ron <laughs> is like hold on a minute we're forgetting someone the house elves. <laughs> 
This is nuts. This is even, this is an even more outrageous, like, <laughs> like, character announcing their development thing than Percy in the last chapter. I'm going to read it. Yeah, please do. It's too funny. Hang on a moment, said Ron sharply. We've forgotten someone. Who? asked Hermione. The house elves, they'll all be down in the kitchen, won't they? You mean we ought to get them fighting? asked Harry. No, said Ron seriously. I mean, we should tell them to get out. We don't want any more Dobbies, do we? We can't order them to die for us. There was a clatter as the basilisk fangs cascaded out of Hermione's arms. Running at Ron, Ron she flung them around his neck and uh. kissed him full on the mouth. Ron threw away the fangs and broomstick he was holding and responded with such enthusiasm that he lifted Hermione off her feet. Uh. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> This is why you've got to get politics, folks. That's right. If you if you learn politics, girls will like you. Yeah, you'll get mad pussy. <laughs> she is gushing because he was like, wait a minute, slaves are people. This, <laughs> this is... <laughs> Harry's character development has moved backwards, however. Yeah, he's he's just... He's a... like, why? Should we make them die <laughs> for us? Should we make them fight? This is, there, so there's that part. There's the I, there's the part where on its face this is sort of ridiculous because one I'm pretty sure the house elves probably know I think they probably yeah. have heard the battle at this point um, <laughs> you know McGonagall might have told them also they can teleport yeah they can they can like they're good probably I think I think the house elves might actually be the safest people here because unlike the students you have to like single file walk to this stupid minecraft tunnel uh they can snap their fingers and be anywhere in the world <laughs> I, like obviously i don't think that it is moral to order slaves to fight for you no. or have slaves um the house elves are probably the most dangerous right uh like hit squad that hogwarts has got right now you, yeah you might not want to like order them that's understandable and and for sure you should probably free them you might at least consider asking them uh, remember how Dobby, like, one-tapped Wormtail Dobby, earlier in this book? Dobby did, like, the John Wick, like, shoot a guy and then, like, stab him with a gun while he's reloading it <laughs> thing earlier. Yeah. Dobby went fucking off. Could you imagine if there was, like, <laughs> like 30 house elves all doing that? If, if they got wands, it's over. This is like the elite squadron. Yeah, they're all jumping around like Fizz and League of Legends, and like no one can hit them, and they're like blasting people. Yeah, like, yeah they would unstoppable. I think this is like the the fucking the post that was like, "Do you want ten lions or one grizzly bear, or like a hundred <laughs> rats to fight for you?" Absolutely, I'm taking the thir the you know the the thirty or however many it is house elves that work at Hogwarts. Yeah, if I have to choose someone at Hogwarts to fight for me. House elves, no question. They get shit Easy. done. Do Dobby, Dobby nearly soloed everyone in Malfoy Manor. <laughs> he did. <laughs> that was like he like one v nine to the whole mansion full of like the like top Death Eaters. Yeah, just seeing like thirty of those guys hopping around with wands <laughs> and just absolutely tearing the shit. They also have out of everyone in this series, they seem to have the least qualms about like shooting to kill too. Right. Like Do like Dobby was not fucking around. Like he wasn't stupefying people. 
No. He just went, he was going for the throat <laughs> in that scene. So, yeah, those, yeah, they rock. I think, I think they can hold their own. Uh, mm-hmm. I, think, I think Hermione might be being a little condescending here when she's like, oh my God, Ron, that's so hot that you, that you remembered the house elves. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so bad. It's so bad. <laughs> Because there's also like no way because I, I I know that like functionally what this is 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 Ron announcing that his character is developed right like yeah attention everyone I am no longer racist and I don't think slavery is good anymore yeah but like because of the way this book has been structured where he has been like a whiny a whiny fucking Boromir for most of the book mm-hmm. and not only that but like the one. One of the key things that happened at the beginning of this book that has just been completely dropped and forgotten was he got the, like, pickup artist book. Yeah. There is no way for me to read this that it just, like, is 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 not Ron got to the chapter on, like, faking your faking interests or something, you know? Yeah. Like, like this feels so insincere. This is like Ron trying the DSA to pick up women. <laughs> He put a rose of OG in his in his bio. He's like, oh no, I'm this is this shit's crazy. Uh yeah. It, it, I can't read it any other way. No, right? yeah, that's that is how it reads to me. Uh it it's it's like and I, I like I, I I again I I know that that can't be what it is. Because it like because it gives the answer is it's the Percy scene again. It's it's I've changed uh uh factually yeah but it just reads like an always sunny routine yeah, no yeah this is the dentist system he's on he's demonstrating value right now right <laughs> <laughs> and she is full-on falling for it too she yeah is, hermione is just wow i did not realize that that's all it took to uh I, I, harry harry really missed out there huh if he, if, yeah. if if Harry had if if in this scene when Ron said, "Aren't we forgetting someone?" The house elves, and Harry had said, "You're right. We can't have them fight for us. We've got to free them." Would Hermione have kissed him? Was this like, was this like a, a yeah? What would have happened then? Ooh. Yeah. Right. Did Harry? Did Harry miss his chance here? I think so. He accidentally developed backwards. <laughs> Yeah, he doesn't care about house elves anymore. Dobby died, and he's like, well, the one guy, like, died. I mean, wasn't that, like, his huge moment was thinking about how fucked up it was that Dobby died for him? Yes. And then, like, literally in this one, he's like, oh, should we make them fight? <laughs> should we make them fight for us? It's Ron who says, we don't need any more Dobbies. Which is, on its Did face, the do- hilarious wait, 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 line. Wait, was Harry and Hermione the endgame and, like, she went through and, like, searched like searched the names and just swapped <laughs> them at the last minute? Yeah. Like, what is happening here? Yeah, because cause, cause in, in the Shell Cottage chapter, Harry respecting Dobby so much is, like, why Griphook gives him the time of day in the first place. Uh-huh. Griphook is like, Harry Potter, you're not like other wizards. You seem to give a shit about people who aren't human uh which is completely untrue uh, uh, apparently but like that is a a moment that could have been delivered on there at least where it's like okay if if the fantasy of this book is going to be uh uh having minorities tell me that like damn you're one of the good white guys 
Mm-hmm. Uh, at least make that consistent. You know, <laughs> like <laughs> that's a stupid fucking fantasy, but like at least if you're gonna do it, do it. Whereas like Harry just forgot that that was like did is what happened here. Did Harry become not racist mm-hmm. because of Dobby dying for him? Oh, and then Grip Hook made Grip him Hook racist made again? him racist again. <laughs> he God was like, damn it! Harry was like, "It's a new, new, new year, new me. I'm, I'm, I've learned so much. I've listened and learned. Uh, I've, I've changed so much. I've been amplifying." voices that are not my own and then grip hook betrays him he's just right back to being like fuck goblins like (laughs) oh man that's so bad that's so sad for it's like i I used to be liberal but um i got bullied on twitter so much (laughs) (laughs) not anymore (laughs) harry's just like talking to nearly headless nick like you know i get more criticism from the left now than i used to get from the right it's crazy God damn it. Oh, that's Harry, you fool. Mm. Oh my god. Yeah, so so Ron instead gets to swoop in and say, I would have I would have voted for Dobby three times. If... Also, then they do nothing. <laughs> right, by the they, way. They don't actually do it. <laughs> they just talk about it. They... They're like, oh, what about the house elves? Never mind. <laughs> just, again, that's very <laughs> accidentally genius. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, damn, someone should do something about the problems. <laughs> well, moving on. <sighs> Absolutely terrible. Just just really bad stuff. Um but hey, that's how you get girls, is you put a rose of OG in your bio and you say, I'm I'm listening and learning. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um so now after Harry prize them apart with a crowbar uh, oh it's such a very it's a very long comedy routine that he does oh it's really something she's get a room yeah he's, hey there's a war going on here hey we've got a battle to win yeah we see harry says do you think you can hold it in until like <laughs> keep it in your pants ron, hey ron could you could you like not come for a second <laughs> can you like settle down can you like have a cold shower <laughs> Please don't bust while we're trying to <laughs> trying to find the last Horcrux. Um, so he tells him his genius deduction that, like, of course, Voldemort thought he was the only one who could ever figure out where to put stuff, and then also Draco. Um, <laughs> and then they they go they go and they find the room after everyone's out. Um, there there are two incredible lines here number mm-hmm. one uh hermione trying accio again yeah how many fucking times are we gonna learn that that doesn't work on the horcruxes mm-hmm. um but here's my maybe this is i i think one of my favorite bad lines in harry potter mm-hmm. they were in a place the size of a cathedral with the appearance of a city <laughs> it's connecting you new york <laughs> Oh, you're right. This is a big. This is a big movie. This is a, this is for the a whole movie. big movie in there. They they put a whole big movie in the room <laughs> requirement. But like, p- 
pick this is this is on the level of the like it sounded like a gunshot thing <laughs> but like the opposite direction was like no pick one it's it, or, or, is it like a cathedral or is it like a city right you can't, you can't say oh it was so big like a cathedral and also really big <laughs> like a city which is bigger <laughs> than a cathedral <laughs> but it's also just kind of a warehouse from what i can tell yeah so yeah um but they they all split up in this in this massive space and then who who should be there when harry finds the diadem but, so i like this in theory yeah i like yeah. that draco gets the final showdown i like the idea of it being like i mean it sucks because we've had too many of these moments where it's like now it's serious like that happens every single time where it's like yeah. this is real life this time because draco's already like basically killed dumbledore um by his by his deeds um <laughs> so it's hard to take this like oh now it's serious but i do i do like the final showdown i like the kind of exasperation of like it's serious and now it's like this this fucking guy you know yes. yeah yeah i i i think that draco being there is i mean like for one i i, I appreciate harry and draco having a final showdown right like that feels good i like i like it when the the rival characters get to be rivals right Mm -hmm. um i even like that it is this this is where the vanishing cabinet like uh uh should have been mentioned again Mm -hmm. harry like if 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 they wanted if if jk rowling wanted this um very flimsy uh uh mind palace routine to be slightly papered over it should have been that harry forgot about draco knowing this place right Mm -hmm. like if he if harry was just like yeah voldemort voldemort knew about this place and thought no one else did and then he was wrong because he forgot that draco knew about it that would be a fun reveal i think yeah, um, I'm having a hard time with Harry being very forgetful about both seeing the diadem and Draco. But yes, I mean, sure, like whatever. In like this is something that makes sense when you when you think about the books taking three years to write, but yes. not in the sense that like in Harry's world that happened twelve weeks ago. You know. I just don't think a diadem is that common of an object that you would just forget seeing. Like, how many tiaras have I seen in my life, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, but okay, they're... sure, whatever. Um, What I don't like, because I don't think, like, uh, aside from the fact that the way that they are presented here is just boring and offensive and lame, um, I don't think Crab and Goyle need, need to have this moment. Um, No, they haven't really... They're not... They don't matter. They matter in what they say about Draco. Right. They don't matter for their own sake. They are not. And like, I, I feel like the, the, the counter argument to this is that like, they are, um, you know, they're there to be the Dracos for Hermione and Ron, but they are not those characters. Right. Like, like they never really got rivals. Hermione no. was supposed, Hermione was supposed to have one in book four. Um, and and you know ron i think it's had ample opportunities to make a rival but so like if there were three like foils that appeared here for each of the characters that'd be great but like crab and goyle appearing like the book even draws attention to the fact that like harry has not really 
spent much time with them right he's like oh i didn't know i didn't know crab sounded like that <laughs> like I, I and 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 goyle looks completely different now it's very um it's just like cheap and like unnecessary to like it's just like extra muscle being there in a scene that like really should just be about harry and draco I, I think it should have just been Draco. I wish Draco was way more of a presence in these entire, like, mm-hmm. through the whole books. I don't yeah. think that he needs to be the focus, but his arc feels so confused. And I, and I was thinking about this because there's so many parts that I really like here. And there is a kind of story that I, I do love a lot, which is like, the failed redemption arc, right? Mm-hmm. Which I think this, I mean, this has all the parts of that, where it's like Draco... Uh, went to his lowest, got, you know, uh, like, basically humiliated, was loyal, did all the right things, and still got fucked over. Mm -hmm. But given the chance to redeem himself, like, he does a little bit, but he just still takes the coward's way out. He's he's terminally indecisive, which is cool. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's the, the moment where Crab just starts blasting. Right. Mm-hmm. And like Draco sort of turns on him, but not all the way. He's just yeah. being I mean, he's like he's like he's like baby slughorn here, where he's like he refuses to ever commit to one or the other side. Mm-hmm. Which is really interesting. I think that yeah, like you said, like it's the the failed redemption arc is really uh compelling, I think. Like tragic for him, right? Because it's like you see that like there there are so many moments where you could see an off ramp for Draco. Mm-hmm. that he just doesn't take and that's super interesting and you know like that happens with a lot of people you know like, like yeah like that that's a pretty common path um uh and he just he just ignores every single one or recognizes every single one but like chooses to to continue to hedge his bets right like it's it's uh I think Draco is potentially one of the most interesting characters in this series who just mm-hmm. doesn't get it doesn't get his due yeah, uh, it just it just doesn't there isn't enough here and it's like it feels like most of it I'm just reading into and and ends up feeling more like she wrote this and completely forgot about the Malfoy Manor scene. <laughs> right, cuz he also does it there, right? Of just That's like That's probably he, the most deliberate, right? Cuz he's like I don't I'm am I going to sell Harry out? No. And he kind of he kind of waffles, right? Yeah. Um but I don't know. It's like Harry doesn't seem very aware of it. And it just, right. I don't know. It doesn't read very well. Yeah, it's its its clumsy. It doesn't really give either Harry or Draco the closure I think they deserve in this relationship. I wouldn't have minded a real redemption either. No, I think yeah. it would have been cute to have like Harry save Goyle and Draco to like save Hermione or something. Yeah, yeah I, I i think that would have been fine too. I, 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 I've said many times, I like a good redemption arc. I kind of want that just because this does sort of go through the motions of a Quidditch game. So I think that that would have been Ooh. cute. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. I am I'm definitely not in the camp of like he needed to have been a, had a redemption arc, but <laughs> but but it, it, he needed something. And he's, I don't really care which way it went. Right. He's he's got to get the the redemption arc or the anti-redemption arc, but it needs yeah. to be one or the other. And right? then if he had the anti-redemption arc, he probably should have died. <laughs> right. Like in the f- no, you know, I won't take your hand, Harry, and then he kind of could have gotten burnt up, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's whatever. Pretty, that's a good way to. It's instead what we get is for one, I mean, just absolutely bonkers escalation here from Crab, who who 
the book loves to remind us is enormous and fat and stupid. He's really fat and stupid. So, so don't feel bad that he dies, I guess is the, is the message here. Um, but the, uh, the, 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 the scene escalates with him, with crab, like casting, trying to cast Crucio, which by the way, misses, which is new lore. I think. All spells are dodgeable now. All spells it, are now literally, projectile. J.K. Rowling went and sat down at the movie theater to watch her book get turned into a movie, and she saw that spells were like lasers, and all spells like got <laughs> retconned into be do- being dodgeable. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Crucio is dodgeable now. Yeah. Um. Uh. Then he just he just escalates it to shooting gun spell, and then summons the fiend fire. Um, and they, they all, they all run away. And And also says the line, like it hot scum. Like it hot scum. That doesn't really roll off the tongue. (laughs) Yeah, not that also another weird reference for like only people JK Rowling's age. Who, who was reading this and, and, and thinking like, oh, some like it hot. (laughs) Like (laughs) Like it hot scum. Yeah, that like, is like what a what a villain zinger. Yeah, really, really odd. Um, uh, but they 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 run out and they get on their broomsticks and they have this big epic chase away from the flames that are also animals. And Harry, because he's a good guy, he like rescue tries to rescue Draco and Goyle. But Crab is, like, consumed in the flames. There's a moment where Ron's like, if we die because you're trying to save these people, I'll fucking kill you. Which is, like... Yeah, I'm with, for, I'm with Ron I'm there. with Ron on that one. Pretty... I think... <laughs> I, I, I love a good redemption arc. I don't think it's on Harry's uh, shoulders to redeem Draco here. Mm-hmm. Um, but the part that really bugs me about this is that this whole fight breaks out where Crab tries to torture and then kill Harry, Hermione, and Ron. Yeah. Um, and he is cosmically punished for this. Mm-hmm. He, he he casts the fiend fire and he burns up in it himself. He's hoist by his own spell. Um, and I find this so frustrating, especially because there's the backdrop of the battle happening here. Mm-hmm. But this feels like it is so clearly in conversation with like Harry's weird nonviolence stuff in this book. Mm-hmm. And it's this weird thing where it's like you you don't need to, um, you don't need to kill anyone because you know God God will sort it out. You know, yeah. the, the universe will will take care of this. Right. But it is it is, and I've I've brought up this aphorism before in this because it's very relevant to a lot of stuff that happens in this series, right? But I cannot shake the like guy guy stuck in the ocean refusing help from the boat because god's gonna save him thing mm-hmm. and then getting to heaven and 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 you know uh, uh the guy pearly gates and being told like well what are you what are you talking about god did try to save you he sent you a boat and he sent you the helicopter and uh, all, all, right. all that like th- like this is that in reverse where it's like harry this guy is not going to stop <laughs> like he's this 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 pretty like monstrous guy is trying to torture you and your friends and kill you and your friends so he can install wizard hitler i think it's okay to shoot that guy just my opinion 
But I think that leaving that one up to like, well, God will God will sort it out is so silly and like I, I just a very, very I mean, like this this is a very naive series from that perspective for for a book for a series that's ostensibly about like revolution and resistance and stuff, right? Like I this... just think it's gotten more naive over time. <laughs> right. Somehow. Yeah. yeah. The Harry, kids' yeah. books were like way more mature in their themes than than this is, which yeah. is mature in its content, but not its themes. Harry technically kills a guy in the first book. Yeah. <laughs> like in self-defense. But like like, yeah, it is so funny how we've gotten to the, to the point also where like a battle is happening. Like, is are all the order members in the battle just shooting to stun? I know I know McGonagall said she she shot to kill. But yeah, they're shooting was... to kill out there, I think. But she was talking about students, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so maybe, I don't know, maybe when she's picking on someone her own size, she's like, I mean, well... she didn't try to shoot Snape, so... Yeah. Yeah, it's, um... <laughs> God, that's so funny. But yeah, it's like, it's just, it's a very naive, um, moral tale, you know? And, like, I'm not, I'm not saying that, like, oh this book shouldn't be about nonviolence or whatever, but like it needs to be internally consistent. And I think at some point when, when you're like your epic comeuppance for, for this heavy uh, uh, is like, well, we didn't have to shoot him because he, he blew himself up is just so fucking lame. Like, is that really that much different than taking an active role in dispatching him? I I, I don't know. It's it's very weird um, that the book wants us to internalize like this kind of morality, but also goes so far out of its way to make us not feel sad about crab because this right. isn't like a like oh it didn't have to be like this. It, it goes so far out of its way to write him as like uh, basically such an extreme evil person yeah he's a monster i mean he it's like it's like when someone like brings up serial killers to like say why (laughs) people should like be in prison and it's like right but like serial killers is so it's like serial killers are like the like spiders george of murderers (laughs) right like you just like you can't you can't look at ted bundy and be like yeah yeah that's like how we should make policy, right? Like Crab is written like that. Yeah. He's just like complete amoral sadist serial killer guy, ch- child torture evil. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's there's no but like also there's there's no you're right. There's no um oh it didn't have to be like this thing. It's like they Crab dies and the first thing Ron says when Draco is like, where's Crab? It's like, he's dead. Like, really badass. Like, he's just like, <laughs> like, 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 really kind of rubbing it in. Which I don't have a problem with, but it's like, this is a different story, right? Like, like, that's... I almost wish Ron had just shot Crab, honestly. He's like, no, I, I killed him. Like, fuck that guy. Um, uh, it's so... It it's it just it's so confused as a as a religious and like more moral tale, um, that it it's uh, it's less the message that I'm um concerned with and more just like, like 
I, I'm I'm more just like worried about J.K. Rowling's ability to like construct an argument in a story, right? Like there are tons of stories that I think are great that don't end on a note that I like I you know would agree with if you if you asked me and said like hey do you agree with this story? Um, but I think J.K. Rowling can't even get there. I mean, it's in this like, case, I just feel nothing, which yeah, seems like a, a sort of a failure. Yeah, I'm not sad about him dying. The, the 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 strongest feeling I have is why did they not shoot him sooner? Right, and it's not like even it doesn't even really feel triumphant because he's not a character and he hasn't done anything <laughs> that we've seen on screen. Yeah, Harry even mentions it's like, damn, I've I've never heard this many words from Crab. Yeah. Because he's not really anyone. He's and like it, a, it does like a really long comedy routine about how he doesn't know the word diadem. God, yeah, he's, yeah. Which is yep. funny in a book where J.K. Rowling felt the need to define diadem for the reader. <laughs> There's that entire scene where we get ex- it explained to us. God damn. Yeah. I forgot about that. That's sort of a weird reflexive insult to <laughs> to 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 define the word. And personally, I don't think someone is dumb if they don't know what the word diadem. No, so this isn't a problem oh, for I'm me. So, I, yeah, like sorry, I don't remember all the words for like medieval jewelry. Like right, I, yeah. So so to say in your book, okay, I'm going to explain to the audience the, what the word diadem is, so they aren't confused. But then turn around and like be like, look at this idiot. He doesn't know the he word diadem. Know what a diadem is yeah, yeah, really, really weird. Um. I mean, it's the same as the Caro stuff, right? It's just Crab is, like, irredeemably evil because he's low class and stupid. Yeah, I mean, even there's that line where it's, like, someone says, like, where did Crab learn that? And someone else says, oh, probably from the Caros. And I'm just like, this is just fundamentally meaningless to me because we haven't been here. We've never <laughs> seen Crab and the Caros interact. I don't give a shit about this. Yeah, we just know they're both evil. Yeah. It's, uh, it's very stupid, and yet, somehow, not the most galling part of this scene. Ooh. Uh, instead, the part of this that just truly made me want to throw my tablet across the room <laughs> was, after all of that shit with the Chamber of Secrets and Hermione being like, oh my god, Ron is so fucking sexy and smart. He uh-huh. he thought of the he thought of the basilisk fangs. Um, it turns out that the diadem crumbles in Harry's hand because it turns out that the fire crab cast wasn't just any fire; it was fiend fire. And Hermione knows that that is one of the substances that destroys Horcruxes. Problem oh. solved. Problem solved. We're done here. Wonderful absolute fucking tripe like like that is (laughs) that is so bad so here's the question is the basilisk thing i can't say basilisk today is the basilisk thing in there purely because she was worried that people would say hey how was harry going to destroy the diadem if he didn't know that crab was going to cast fiend fire uh-huh that's why it's there, right? It's 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 two purposes. It's that, and then also Hermione stabbed the cup, so we're like uh, we're an extra Horcrux oh, down right, yeah. off screen because because Ron is like I let Hermione stab that. Oh, that was speaking of like condescending weird shit Ron does. It's like oh I let Hermione do that, like 
Like she got to, she did the, she got to, you know, she Hermione, had the pleasure. Uh, her, Hermione might as well have been written out of the book in like books, like book four. <laughs> because yeah. Yeah. she, it's like this moment where it's like each of us got to destroy one. Uh, Hermione did hers off screen and it has no real connection with her. So mm-hmm. like, cause, cause Ron had like the connection to the locket. Cause it was like whispering evil stuff in his ear. Yeah. But yeah, Hermione the, has no connection to the, the cup. cup. Was was the cup doing anything to Hermione? That would have been cool. Was she like, oh, Hermione, I got Hermione, she's not a character. She was written off in book four. And she's just been like <laughs> a shell the rest of the time. Yeah. Yeah, just reemerged incredibly wet for Ron in this chapter. Mm-hmm. Ugh, it's bad. It's so slimy. I hate it. Um, but yeah, so so it turns out this is a spell that we have never heard of before mm-hmm. that very conveniently does a very important thing and yeah. not only not only i feel like a a a a a better bad book would have done it this way round uh and and said hermione have hermione say like oh there is one other thing that can destroy a horcrux and that's fiend fire like 10 chapters ago mhm uh, and then for Crab to cast a bunch of fire that he conveniently learned from the dark arts class and, and for them to go, oh, that was fiend fire. Great. Um, but to have the fiend fire thing happen and then for Hermione to go, oh, that's fiend fire. Good thing that destroyed more cruxes. Why didn't they just destroy the, the diadem with the fang? Well, they tried to, but then, but then it also uh, completely it also completely and... ruins Harry's like big catch the snitch moment because it would have just burned up in there and be been destroyed. Yeah, yep, yeah. This entire set piece was like pointless. Actually, they could have they could have just left all walked out, and that would have been that. I mean, I understand why we had to see it be destroyed. Also, this is just like a complete random pull, just because I'm in rewrite mode, mm-hmm. like completely, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm going backwards and I'm rewriting like sort of from the beginning <laughs> uh-huh. because I think it would be cool if Draco's failed redemption arc was because he was in there repairing the vanishing cabinet in the presence of the diadem that's cursed. Ooh, because you know how like he was all fucked up in book six and like wasn't yeah. trusting anyone, wouldn't talk to Snape. Yeah. I feel like he could have been influenced by the diadem, and That's I don't understand really good why point. why only one of the Horcruxes did the did the Boromir thing. That's yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, we get no like the the, the Hufflepuff cup is the funniest thing um, <laughs> because it's like okay, I get that it's Voldemort's soul, so no matter what, it'll be like probably pretty bad, right? Yeah. But I wish that, like, if you're going to do something like the splitting off of the soul thing, have some fun with it. Like, it would have been cool if the locket was like, I mean, like, here's an easy one. Do a seven deadly sins thing. Yeah. Because there, there are seven horcruxes, so it's like, oh, the the locket was lust. Yeah. Uh, and the uh, the cup was gluttony or something, right? And it's like, oh, Hermione suddenly really likes drinking out of this cup. <laughs> yeah it's getting sloshed or something uh-huh. like do something g- give the characters something to interact with the horcrux story you know like absolutely like, not no doesn't matter like the, the 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 
the locket is the only one we get. And then the, the diadem, who is hiding away this whole time, the cup, I guess they were just able to wrap in a burlap sack and not get get Boromir'd by. Mm-hmm. It's, it could be so fun. Having having all the characters deal with like the the evil soul of the bad guy should be really fun, and instead it's like barely, barely lampshaded MacGuffins. Yep. So then the Minister of Magic shows up in a KKK uniform. Yeah, and... <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah, this is a funny part. I I think this is a good moment. The guy, the, the I mean, it it is so on the nose. Like the the hood, <laughs> the hood like shifts to the side. They recognize it's the wizard president, and he like yeah, like that's a really that's on the nose in a really good way. I think mm-hmm. the uh, some of those who uh, workforces really do be burning crosses is 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 what we right. is yeah. what we're learning here. Really good stuff. I I'm I'm always down for for some caustic allegory stuff like that, but. It's less in service of like that <laughs> metaphor and more in service of this Percy Fred reunion <laughs> scene, which uh-huh. instantly sucks all of that fun out of the room. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's 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 a it's too bad because I do think that like having the actual president show up and be like, "Oops, I'm in the scary Death Eater mask" is like really good. Yeah, I like that a lot. Percy casts a really cool spell on him too. Yeah. He, like, turns him into, like, she makes spikes shoot out of him. That's badass. Like, I want to know what that spell is. Yeah. But this is all so Percy can say, I'm handing in my resignation. Which would be cool and funny if he was a character that we knew. But Mm -hmm. instead, he appeared last chapter after five books of being away (laughs) and was like, Mike, I'm good now. Um, <laughs> and then Fred is just so in awe of Percy telling a joke here. It's, I'm so sad that the focus is not the minister on, in this scene. Percy's story is that he was the butt of, like, jerking off jokes. Right. And then joined the evil government and then came back to do a Marvel fight zinger. Yeah, it's too bad. It should have at least been a jerk off joke. Yeah, it should like like that was his legacy. He was he like there. Are, let's see. There's there's the chamber. The Chamber of Secrets one is the big one, I think, mm-hmm. which is so like, honestly, kind of amazed she slipped that one through. <laughs> yeah, because it is it is not just like a one off like like jerk off joke. It is like an entire. uh like scene right uh-huh. of like i'm like like not just a scene it's like a mystery what's percy yeah. doing uh <laughs> and like what did Ginny see percy doing that, that yeah. like shocked her so much and like it really 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 implies that he was whacking it or like or, like that's the joke at least um then there's the Percy's been polishing his badge all all summer <laughs> thing in like book four, I think that is. Yeah. Um and like the the uh oh no, that's book three. It's book four that they start making the like you're gay for the president jokes, which are also really weird. Like Oh uh, yeah. Uh so yeah. Bullied has... by the left once again. <laughs> 
<laughs> Percy's been getting more criticism from the left than from the right. Oh, um, <laughs> fuck. Um, and uh, then he just kind of disappears. He, he's he's uh, you know Molly's sad that he's not talking to the family, and he's he's too ministry pilled. Um, but he's back, and like I appreciate it. I I like. Again, I like a good redemption arc, and I like, I like. Yeah, it but but now no irony. It should have been a jerk off joke. It should have been. Yes, it should. Yeah, it should have been one last jerk off joke from from Fred here to Percy. Yeah, I, I and I can't. I, I that I, is I, their relationship. Yeah, that's all I know about it. Can we? I mean, like, can we workshop one? Like. That, mm. uh, the, I was. I mean, mine only works in like the film because I was imagining like the president saying something to Percy and then Percy just making the jerk off motion. At oh, him. that would be perfect, though. <laughs> yeah, like oh, like oh, just in, <laughs> just, just imagine like it, no, it, it and it should be a bonding moment between uh uh Fred and Percy. They should yeah. like they should stupefy the 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 minister uh-huh. and and like both do together like like the jerk off and release <laughs> motion at him I mean, in, in the in the book you could do the same routine that they do in this because percy makes the dumb resignation joke and fred's like percy did you just make a joke but it could be the same thing but 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 fred could be like percy did you just make the jerk off motion <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Um, and that would be something worth dying with a smile on your face for. That's right. Because, because then after this this moment where where Percy is like he tells a joke and Fred is like, oh my god, you told a joke. The entire building explodes. Yeah. Or half the building explodes. Someone casts an explosion spell. And everyone is fine except Fred, who I guess got exploded got exploded too hard <laughs> yeah but he died doing what he loved laughing uh laughing at his brother which is very touching in a very stupid way where it's actually not very touching at all it's kind of kind of dumb he's the joker he died he with the joker he died with his fred and george were like military contractors last book yeah that plot is just gone Mm-hmm. There, this is, and in a way that is so weird because this is, if you're going to do the stupid battle, if you absolutely must do the battle, why is why is it that Kingsley says, "Oh, we need some sappers," and Fred and George are like, "We'll do that," and not like Fred and George going, "Uh, we are going to g- give everyone our special body armor that we make." Yeah. Remember how they make body armor? Feels like they should go and get that, maybe. Mm-hmm. Do, do they have the Do they have the wizard Kevlar available? I I would imagine either that or have the Death Eaters wearing it. 
like they we sold were... it all to the Death Eaters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it, if it was like a matter of like, hey, uh, uh, Fred and George, you really fucked us here. Did that really happen? Because I yeah. feel like it is so surreal to me thinking about that. Yes, the wizard Kevlar thing actually happened. They that was in book six. Harry was like, show me what you invested all that money I gave you in, and they were like, okay, come to this secret back room. We're doing really well because the ministry put in a like special order for this fucking body armor we make oh my god because they're profiting off of the war they're like like oh you know the jokes people always need jokes but you know what they really need is body armor holy shit remember that is crazy that happens i can't believe it they're war profiteers (sighs) and there's also there's also that insane part where there's like the street vendors in Diagon Alley who are selling like bad body armor that's like fake and cheap, mm-hmm. and and like moody. I can't remember who it is who like expresses this like oh the like like don't fall for that stuff. Uh, but it's like you gotta get the real shit from the joke store. They make the they make the good Kevlar. It's all in the back room. Yeah. The government put in a work order for it. Like, it's... it's. So their joke shop is just a front. I hate to revisit this, no, but I it's, just can't it's believe important. it. It's important because we're, we are in the battle where, like, this would pay off one way or the other. Either they are, like, equipped and able to help out everyone at Hogwarts. And they say, all right. Like, and man, it's Fred and George. They could joke around. Have, have it be like they're, you know, they're passing these, uh, the, you know, this armor around to everyone. And they're like, uh, we'll... If you survive, you know, we'll talk about how much you owe us. Like, mm-hmm. you know, have have them have them joking about the merchandise. Or uh they because the 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 Death Eaters took over the government and they sold all of their weapons and, and, and armor to the government, have all the Death Eaters be outfitted with this sick level three armor uh that that, that they made. And and for like Lupin to be like, hey, where did they get all this fucking body armor? And for Fred and George to be like, uh, they should find the logo on it. Yeah, <laughs> the Wizard Weezes logo. <laughs> yeah, do something. That'd be incredible. Do something with it. But instead, that just happened in book six and was never mentioned again. No consequences. They allowed. Yeah. <laughs> They built their, like, their joke shop empire on the back of government contracts for Kevlar. It's so crazy. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, this is, um, it's hard to feel too bad about Fred dying, honestly. I, 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 I feel weird saying that because Fred and George, I think, at one point were my favorite characters. Or at least like mm. between 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 reading Harry Potter and starting this podcast, I, they would have been my favorites. I think if you, sure. if you if you ask me who are your favorite characters, I'm like oh I like the funny the funny twins. Yeah. Rereading the books and realizing that the funny twins, I mean like let's let's visit their achievements. Um, uh, called called their brother gay for the president over and over. Yeah. Uh, push Ginny down some stairs for no reason <laughs> oh yeah um uh put a swamp in the school 
that like might have they gave Harry the map. Might have killed people. Yeah, they gave Harry a map. That's pretty good. That's 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 a point in the pro column for sure. Um, started animal cruelty. Animal cruelty. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, testing all of their um, uh, their their uh, drugs on first years without telling them what they are. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. Testing on the gnomes. Um. Uh, starting a joke shop and then uh, uh, selling uh, body armor to the government in, mm-hmm. in, to profit off of the the uh, rising paranoia of like looming wizard war. Mm-hmm. Not great guys. And you know what? A lot of my favorite characters and things are not great guys. Mm-hmm. But the story also like isn't about them not being great guys. It's about them being funny. haha. Uh, right uh, yeah tw- uh, and all the, like the wacky the wacky hijinks they get up to and their hijinks really aren't all that wacky after a certain point um so hard to feel too bad for fred getting exploded here I no and just a sneak peek of the next page i think that we're gonna have to feel really sad about fred for a little while oh, for like a few paragraphs no we're gonna get real melancholy oh fred fred why did they have to explode you it was so messed up when Fred got exploded. <laughs> Fred, Fred got owned, honestly. Like, so is he not wearing his own Kevlar? Right. Where did Where did it go? Like, it's just it's that is an entire. That was like their main function in book six because they weren't major characters anymore because they left the school, and it was like that one big scene they got where Harry goes to visit them in Hogsmeade. And it's like, we're checking in with the, so like, that's what they were doing. That's not like a side thing that just got papered over. It's like, no, that was the thing we learned about Fred and George. Wasn't part of it that Draco had their like darkness powder too? Yes. Yes. He had the instant darkness powder. No comeuppance for that, I guess. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Harry points that out and Fred is like very darkly like, mm, we'll have to tighten who we sell this stuff to. It's like, yeah, man. Uh-huh. Oh, you're selling it to the Nazis? Yeah, I would not do that personally. I think that might be bad. Oh, and this is also all happening, by the way, um, in front of the like rack of uh, love potions mm-hmm. that all the girls are swooning over. Oh yeah, the like children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Very funny. Fred and George, very funny. <laughs> so yeah, big good, goodbye, goodbye, Fred. You were funny once, I guess. Um, y- he should have made a jerk-off joke before he died. Yeah. Um, God, what a chapter. I feel like there's definitely a lot of other stuff that we skipped over. Is there anything, anything like, any cleanup you want to do on this mm. we didn't get to? Aberforth saying, hey, you should do some war crimes. That's pretty hey, weird. Hey, you should, ra- you should uh, kidnap some children <laughs> and, and ransom children. them. Thanks, Aberforth. And then Harry very confidently being like, Dumbledore would never do that. Yeah, Dumbledore would never put children in harm's way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's uh there's a lot going on in this chapter. Um, but I think we I think we hit all the main stuff. Yeah, I think so. Alright, let's uh let's take a break to mourn Fred and then come back uh for our last segment. Sounds good.
Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Last week, we had a lot of fun reading about the similarities between Sonic and Harry Potter. Yeah, I love Sonic now. Yeah, we love Sonic now. Have you, have you, did you do any more digging into, like, Uncle Chuck and, and all those lovely characters we learned about? I did poke around on the wiki a little bit. Um, it made me want to play a Sonic game. So yeah. I'll probably, I'll probably play some Sonic Mania or something. Yeah, Sonic Mania is really good. Uh, that's a fun game. But uh, that was a delightful exercise. And Screen Rant continues to deliver. Mm-hmm. They're, they've been on a roll with the Harry Potter content lately. If, if you must, if you if you simply must be publishing Harry Potter clickbait content, I'm happy that Screen Rant's doing it because yeah. it is it is all completely nuts. This is um, a little less out there than the Sonic thing, but I think will nonetheless be a lot of fun to read through. This is every Death Eater ranked from weakest to strongest. Oh, I'm going to have big opinions on this, I think. Yeah, this is, this is going to be contentious. Also, I'll say this right now, there are 30 of them. So, um, how? depending on I think I could name like go, five. Actually, I could probably do better than that. Yeah, depending on how things go. First of all, yeah, it is very impressive that they came up with 30. Okay, but depending- two of Stranges, Dolohov, Nair... <laughs> Lucius Malfoy, uh, Greyback, Bellatrix. I already said the two Lestranges, right? Yeah. Um. Oh. Mm, the elf. Right. Yeah. Um. Uh, the Caros. That's two more. Yeah. Mm, Snape. Does yeah. that count? <laughs> Yeah, I think that counts. Probably. I'm at ten, and I might be out. <laughs> so they did thirty. Okay. Depending on how long this takes, we might have. I might cut this off at fifteen, and this might be a two-parter. Oh yeah. Um, but uh, we'll see. We'll see how how it goes. I am excited to dig into this. Mm-hmm. The Death Eaters, Voldemort's inner circle of loyal followers, strike fear into the hearts of wizards, witches, and Harry Potter fans everywhere. Even when Voldemort himself was too weak to act, the Death Eaters he commanded remained as ever it remained an ever-present threat. They moved in the shadows, orchestrating Voldemort's return to life, the opening of the Chamber of Secrets, the downfall of Dumbledore, and countless other evil plans. Mm. Throughout the course of the series, Harry and his allies met a great number of Death Eaters. At first, he merely had to contend with Lucius Malfoy and a few of his friends in the background. As Voldemort returned, though, Harry found himself facing a variety of horrifying wizards and witches. However, not all Death Eaters pose as much of a threat to Harry, since some are easily defeated by a small band of schoolchildren. Uh, Death Eaters are not equal. Some of Voldemort's lackeys are, har- are largely ineffective, while others pose an insurmountable threat whenever they appeared on the scene. Out of all the Death Eaters that Harry faced, who is the most powerful of them all? Uh, throughout all the battles, conflicts, and subterfuge, the story revealed which Death Eaters were the most powerful and which did not stand a chance. Who was the best of the worst wizards? All right. Can you take a take 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 a crack at who's like the least powerful? They put here at number thirty. Uh, maybe like Wormtail. Hmm. Hmm. Um, I'm, I'll give you a little hint here. You need to go a little more obscure than that. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, how do we know if they're powerful or not if they're that obscure? Yeah. This actually might be a controversial choice. I, I, I'm i curious. I mean, the Karos were pretty easily dispatched. Yeah. Yeah. They no, all not... sort of are, though. Yeah. It's part of the problem here. Um, w- Were they on my list? 
No. That I probably don't know. I'm okay. not going to remember who it is. Number 30 is Stan Shunpike. I thought he was Imperious. Right. And that's, uh, this is a controversial choice, I think. It says, poor Stan Shunpike should never have been a Death Eater in the first place. Shunpike was the conductor of the night bus until he was arrested by the minister and sent to Azkaban under suspicion of being a Death Eater. Everyone seemed to know that Shunpike was no Death Eater, but then he was imperious during the breakout from Azkaban and was forced to join them. Even though he participated in an attack on Harry while under the Imperius mm. curse, he only lived through it because of Harry's restraint in defending himself. Yeah, so Stan, I'm calling bullshit on that one. That doesn't count. He's not a Death Eater. Also, like, I'm a little worried because if I don't think Stan is a Death Eater in the same way that, like, Snatchers wouldn't be. Right. Like, I actually, I put Fenrir Grey back on my list, but I don't even think he's a Death Eater because he gets shamed for being just a Snatcher because Voldemort wouldn't let him join because right. he's a werewolf. Yeah, that's a good point. So we're, we're, we might have some issues with this Uh-oh. list. That's what I'm saying. 29. And we are off to the races <laughs> with some absolute horseshit choices here. Yeah. Crab and Goyle Sr. Oh, I forgot about them. Fans were already pretty certain Crab and Goyle's family had to be Death Eaters, a fact finally confirmed in Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Uh, however, aside from a few brief mentions of their presence alongside other Death Eaters in major battles, very little is known of the actions of Elder Crab and Goyle. Okay, but They're... they could be extremely dangerous, and we just don't know because we don't ever see them. Yeah, they're not not appearing often doesn't equal not powerful. I don't think. Mm-mm. I think that's a little. I think that's a little presumptuous. You don't know. Maybe they just never got a chance to shine. Right. The um the picture that they used, one of them is holding a wand that like looks like it kind of has like a hook on the end. That's cool. That's, that seems pretty powerful. A little scary. Twenty eight. Draco Malfoy. What? Draco always talked a good game about becoming a Death Eater. He had no problem at- antagonizing Harry Potter and the other students with insults, bigotry, and common jinxes. However, when Voldemort finally called upon him with a Death Eater task, he wasn't willing to descend to the violence that Voldemort required. Even though he was sent to take down Dumbledore, he was in the process of backing out when Severus Snape showed up to finish the job. He succeeded. Maybe Drake- yeah. <laughs> he did it. He did it. Dumbledore died. Yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe Draco could have been a powerful Death Eater, but in the end, it was not who he wanted to be. What? Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it not? It seems like it is. Maybe this is some movie stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good... Yeah, oh, that's right, because in the movie, they, they like, hug, right? Yeah. Yeah. Pious Thickness, mm. number 27. He's the, the president. Guy, He's pretty president. powerful. We just saw him get owned by Percy. And they did the jerk-off motion on him. It was really cool. Like Stan Shunpike, Pious Thickness should never have been a... That's how they could have done the jerk-off joke. His name is Pious Thickness. <laughs> yeah. Did plenty to work with there. Disappointed in Fred, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, however, Corbin Yaxley placed him under the Imperius curse, turning him into an unwitting key player. Once Imperius, Voldemort's henchman installed him as the Minister of Magic following the untimely demise of Rufus Scrimger. Wait, I when- forgot he was Imperius. That's not very epic then. Uh, yeah, wait. I totally forgot. Or maybe that's it, not yeah, true. I can't. I, I thought he was just evil. Pious thickness. The Imperius is so 
fuzzy on like how it works at this point. Yeah, he was under the Imperious Curse. This The way that the wiki phrases it is really funny. Later in the war, Minister for Magic under Lord Voldemort's puppet regime while under the Imperious Curse and thus essentially Voldemort's puppet himself. Oh my god. <laughs> Wait, so that means that like no one even heard Percy's cool line. Uh, yeah, it just like seems kind of rude to like a guy who is had just his like, free will taken away. Taunting a zombie, really. <laughs> like really not all that impressive anymore. Wow. I thought it, I so that's so I got to take back. I thought that it was just a really on the nose like damn, the bad guy is the president thing. I thought so too. <laughs> I completely forgot he was just under the Imperius curse. Oh, that's so much lamer. God damn it. Highest thickness. Percy, I'm taking back your, your cool line card. You didn't earn it at all. Playing on easy mode. Also, the sea urchin jinx didn't like put spikes through him, which I that's how I read it. It oh, just wait, like didn't? no, it just like made him grow spikes. <laughs> wait, that makes him more dangerous. That's, what the fuck? <laughs> This is so stupid. Never mind. The one cool part of this thing. We take didn't it back. We take it back. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck that. What the hell? I thought he was getting spikes shot through him, like in Dragon Age, where you like that's summon the rocks. I, thought. People. I was yeah. like, Percy, that's badass. Where'd you learn that? But no, Damn. it's just like a get spiky spell. <laughs> it made him more of a threat. It apparently creates spikes. discomfort. Oh. Well, that's too bad. Number 26, Professor Quirrell. Professor Quirrell was not an official Death Eater, but the... Okay, you got it. You, you said you had 30 Death Eaters. <laughs> I need them all to be Death Eaters, please. This is this is untenable. Uh, the fact that Voldemort lived on in the back of his head certainly gives him some kind of ceremonial Death Eater status. Quirrell was instrumental in sending Voldemort's plan in motion in Harry's first year, but for the most part, these plans were so small-time that three 11-year-old children were able to foil them. I don't think I don't think you can do that. I think he, I think Quirrell did a good job, and he seemed pretty powerful. Yeah, I mean, he nearly he nearly won. He he, he got only closer lost. than most of these guys. Yeah, he only lost because Harry had the like OP power of love thing and touched him on the face. Yeah, um, it was like an wasn't... unknown power. Yeah, and he's like, "What is this magic? What is this? What is this?" And then he crumbled. It was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. He wasn't even effective as a vessel for Voldemort's soul as he crumpled apart immediately when Harry touched him. <laughs> That's not on oh, him. That's loser. not on him. <laughs> you shouldn't have crumbled. <laughs> Why are you crumbling? <laughs> What's up, Pee-wee? Why are you crumbling? <laughs> it wasn't his fault, of course, but his actions still amounted to almost nothing. Wow, weird slam on Quirrell. <laughs> 25. Gibbon. Oh, yeah, not very powerful. Is that, I mean... He I must know have been at the, minist the ministry, right? Gibbon did not get a single moment of glory in the entire series. <laughs> that makes it sound like Gibbon is the least powerful Death Eater, then, to me. Yeah, I'm not sure why. I mean, like, Quirrell seems way more powerful than Gibbon. He was among the Death Eaters brought into Hogwarts through Draco's vanishing cabinet, so he was presumably important enough to be trusted with the weighty task of dispatching Dumbledore. I mean, not it, really. Yeah. It's just like whatever people Bellatrix could find, right? Yeah, it seems that trust may have been misplaced. 
He was told to wait for Dumbledore in the astronomy tower, but he did not want to wait for him alone and instead left his position. As he tried to return to the other Death Eaters, he was hit by friendly fire, a curse intended for Lumos Lupin. I forgot about this. He got Chris Kyle by another Death Eater. I feel like he should be the weakest Death Eater on this list. Yeah, if if we're going purely by amount of stuff they did, this is easily number 30. Yeah. Yeah, he Stan gets like negative fights Harry points. Potter. Yeah. I, yeah, and like Quirrell was the main villain of book one. And was just thwarted by a, like a Chance, power really. that no one else had ever seen before. Yeah. Yeah, Gibbon, this this guy easily biggest loser so far. Mm-hmm. This should be number 30. Number 24, Not. Oh, I remember him. Not was one of Voldemort's earliest Death Eaters, noted to be present when Tom Riddle applied to teach at Hogwarts. He avoided Azkaban and was present upon Voldemort's return, proclaiming himself Voldemort's most faithful, most faithful servant. Oh, so he's old. If he was mm. there. Yeah. That's a... He's an old guy. Despite his reputation, not fails to live up to expectations in battles. He's old. Give him a break. <laughs> in the Department of Mysteries, Hermione manages to stun him and send shelves crashing down around him. This incapacitated him for the rest of the battle, and Lucius yeah. Malfoy instructed that, yeah. That'll happen. That seems like number 29 to me, honestly. Yeah, that's pretty Got bad. 15-year-old girl, like, knocks a shelf over on you, and mm-hmm. you can't. You can't fight. <laughs> you're incapacitated for the rest of the battle. Mm-hmm. I think you're, yeah, yeah, a student, a student got you pretty good there. Yep. Uh, 23, you know him, you love him, Jugson. Jugson! Little is known about Jugson other than a single named appearance in the Battle of the Department of Mysteries. Still, he fared better than some of his compatriots in this single fight. He managed to use an impediment jinx on Harry, Hermione, and Neville, briefly slowing them down. Harry then hit him Slowing with a full body down. bind curse. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, Jugson. After, after they thoroughly uh, uh, ashamed not by dropping a shelf on him, Jugson was able to uh, <laughs> slow down Hermione, Harry, and Neville. Yeah. Uh, and then he got hit with a full body bind curse, putting him out of commission for most of the battle. Okay, so I'm feeling like maybe 30 should be Gibbon, 29 should be Jugson. Yeah. Or no, I guess not, and then maybe Jugson. <laughs> After this, he is not mentioned for the rest of the series. He may nope. have recovered in time for the end of the battle against the Order, and he may have participated in other battles. Still, his one named appearance failed. That They killed him. He died. What other battles? The Battle of Hogwarts, maybe, I guess? He's not there. Okay. He's busy. Uh, number 22, Avery. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Avery joined the Death Eaters at the same time as many of its premier members, such as Bellatrix and Severus Snape. Uh, after Lord Voldemort's downfall, he claimed to have been imperious and avoided Azkaban. Upon Voldemort's return, he begged forgiveness at Voldemort's feet for believing, okay, this is easily the most pathetic guy. This is new, the, <laughs> the new number three. This is worse than Gibbon. When Voldemort pursued the prophecy, Avery had the idea to imperious and unspeakable. Oh, this was his stupid plan. This was Avery's idea? I thought this was Lucius's idea. He had the idea to Imperious and Unspeakable from the Department of Mysteries. His plan failed because it did not get him... He did not know the Unspeakable could not retrieve the prophecy, and Voldemort punished him. Avery gets points for enthusiasm and creativity. It was a good idea. It was a good idea. You might as well try it. Like, you just... You have to brainstorm and, like, throw everything at the wall. I don't... I don't see the problem here. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, okay. Avery Avery seems he could be pretty He had He's an smart. idea. He's smart. He had an idea. Yeah, he had an idea that wasn't like stun Harry Potter, which is what most of them have been so far. <laughs> Number 21. Mulciber. Mm. Uh I don't not remember Mulciber. I know at the name all. and that's it. I don't even remember the name. Mulciber? Mulciper was in the same Slytherin gang with Avery, Bellatrix, and Snape, but little is known of his personal actions. He was present at the Department of Mysteries, but the rest of his involvement is largely speculative. He would hardly be worthy of mentioning if not for the testimony of Igor Karkarov. Karkarov attempted to turn in Mulciper, only to be informed he had already been captured. During his testimony, Karkarov stated Mulciper specialized in the Imperius Curse. That is really saying something, because everyone's tossing that shit around in this book. Yeah, it doesn't seem very difficult. What does a specialist in the Imperius Curse do? That's fascinating to me. Since the Imperius Curse was such a... Wait, okay, this next sentence. Since the Imperius Curse was such a common and useful tool for Voldemort, Mulsiper <laughs> likely would have been a valued Death Eater. Really? It seems like maybe Mulsiper was just one of many guys who could do that spell. Yeah, also the Karkarov testimony, I think, is not supposed to be like... I mean, he's like throwing people under the bus and trying yeah. to make them sound a lot worse than he is. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if I would just take that objectively. Yeah, definitely. That's that's a little. That's a little. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, guess, I mean, I, I guess everything that. in these books is just completely literal. So <laughs> why not? Yeah. Uh, number 20, Evan Rosier. I do remember this name. Uh, although Evan Rosier did not survive the first Wizarding World War, uh, he was noteworthy enough to still be mentioned years later, giving the impression that he was a fearsome Death Eater. Oh, Rosier, bullshit. Rosier bullshit. joined up with the rest of Snape's Slytherin gang, but there's little information on his personal actions All he's done is died. He died. He died. <laughs> he's worse than Gibbon. At the end of the war, he dueled Mad-Eye Moody, although Mad-Eye was an extremely skilled Auror. Rosier managed to injure him, taking off a piece of his nose. Rosier did not live through the duel with Matt. So he jobbed to <laughs> Mad-Eye? Dust ghost Mad-Eye? Yeah, the guy. <laughs> the guy who made the dust ghost. <laughs> he lost to that guy. Yeah, I don't think he he's, should be this high up. Rosier is a bottom tier wizard for sure. Number 19, Igor Karkaroff, the guy, the guy who sold the previous few guys out. <laughs> and said, wow, uh, these guys are way worse than me. <laughs> Igor Karkaroff's life as a Death Eater is a mystery up to the point it is captured by Mad-Eye Moody. Once captured, he seems <laughs> to know enough it. about the death. Yeah. <laughs> how do you organize these when every single paragraph starts with, we don't actually know anything about this guy. We don't know what they could do, what their capabilities are, what they are possibly uh, up to. Just, um, <laughs> just uh, I don't know. They they did something. Um, uh, in the movies, he also betrayed Barty Crouch Jr. and got him sent to Azkaban as well. When Voldemort returned, Kargara refused to return and ran instead, but he survived for far longer. So, by being a huge wuss... When He's a cows... big, huge snitch and also a pussy. A snitch. <laughs> so powerful. <laughs> That's 
<laughs> wow, incredible. He's he truly earns his spot at number 19. <laughs> <laughs> he snitched on everyone and uh uh that that's uh that's it. And then he ran away. <laughs> the chickens came home to roost and he was like, "Oh, bye." Number 18. A familiar name we all know and love, Selwyn. Is that the elf? No. No. no That's I don't think so. It's the fin, elf Finley? Thorfinn. 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 Yeah, yeah Thorfinn, Thorfinn. Rowley. Yep. Selwyn was distinguished as a particularly cruel Death Eater for his oh. scant appearances in the series. Again! Scant <laughs> appearances! We know nothing about him! When he responded to the alert, at Xenophilius's house, he was suspicious that Xenophilius did not really have Harry Potter and was instead luring them into a trap. Um, uh, he was violent with Xenophilius and uh, uh, made brutal threats towards the abducted Luna Lovegood. Selwyn also participated in the Battle of Seven Potters, where he pursued the real Harry Potter until Voldemort demanded Selwyn's wand for his own use. For the most part, <laughs> Selwyn avoided an embarrassing defeat at the hands of Harry or the Order, which is in itself an accomplishment for a Death Eater. What? What? Is that power? This is, is that... true power. This is true power, lucking out of having to face Harry. Because your boss took your wand. Okay, you Snape has got to be number one, right? I don't know. I I have not, to be clear. I have not scrolled through this whole list. I don't know if I don't know if Snape will count, but I feel like if Stan does, then Snape yeah. should. And he got special flying lessons from Voldemort. So yeah, that's and killed Dumbledore. Right. Yeah, that's um. I'm going to be pissed yeah. off if Bellatrix is number one. Yeah, I don't. Like I said, I've not. I, I have no spoilers. All right. All right. I don't I don't know. I don't know where she where those two stand. Number 17, though, is Travers. Travers. Travers pops up several times throughout the series. He is often one of the most vocal Death Eaters about his vitriol towards everyone but pureblood wizards. Okay. Often, by the way, I'm pretty sure he says it one time because they meet him in <laughs> Diagon Alley. He proves useful in battles, capturing Ginny in the Department of Mysteries and dueling students in the Battle of Hogwarts. In between battles, he works in ministry with authority over Muggleborn registration, per, uh, providing his semi-legitimate government power. Semi-legitimate. Semi-legitimate. Okay. Okay. Travers was also the Death Eater who happened upon Hermione Granger, Polyjuice, to look like Bellatrix Lestrange, but he failed to detect the subterfuge and was imperious by Harry Potter. Again, those are... He was definitely suspicious. He yes. figured it out. Until Harry cast the unforgivable curse on him. <laughs> Travers was ultimately more of a bureaucratic bigot and less of a real threat. As hey, hang on. Hold on. Hold on. Screen rant. Yeah, that's not threatening at all. <laughs> Holy shit, guys. Ultimately, more of a bureaucratic bigot and less of a real threat as a Death Eater. Wow, that is... Ah, uh, yeah, he ran the Muggle Registration Commission. But, yeah, not that bad. Yeah, he, he was just a bureaucrat. He didn't have any action sequences. Okay. Number 16, Augustus Rookwood. That's a name we know. Mm-hmm. 
He started as a spy for the Death Eaters. During the first Wizarding War, he worked in the Department of Mysteries and passed information to Voldemort from inside the Ministry. His spy craft might have gone undetected if not for Igor Karkaroff's testimony. After breaking out of Azkaban during the Second World War, Rookwood uh, Rookwood's experience in the Department of Mysteries was instrumental in Voldemort's plan to obtain the prophecy. He was also shown to be a good duelist when he took part in battles. Among the Death Eaters, Rookwood was uncommonly useful with uncommonly subtle tactics. That sounds fascinating. Yeah, what does that mean? Uncommonly subtle... I don't think that's in the books, but I do like the creative writing here. Did... Is this something that, like, they extrapolate from the movies? Like, you see Rookwood in the background. It's like, wow, he's doing flips and stuff. I hope so. That guy's pro- that guy's got subtle tactics. He, <laughs> oh, oh, he's 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 barking order. Yeah, maybe he's maybe he's telling maybe he's one of the guys who says after them. Or right. Something. Yeah. Tactical. And he's like, yeah, OK, he's got he's got his he's got his mind on the mission. Mm-hmm. That's power. Number 15. Walden McNair. I just animal want to say executioner. The animal executioner. So they've they've been including pictures from all the movies in this mm-hmm. so far. And this is the first picture, I think, from the third movie so far. Yeah. Stunning how much better it immediately looks than every other picture <laughs> here. So yeah. cool looking. Yeah. What a what a sick looking movie. That's a good movie. Just oozing character. Um McNair was an executioner through and through. He avoided being sent to Azkaban by claiming he was imperious, and he continued to work at the Ministry of Magic as an executioner of dangerous creatures, including Buckbeak. McNair was giving the, given the crucial task of recruiting the giants to join Voldemort, which he accomplished despite Hagrid's best efforts to stop him. <laughs> McNair was... Hagrid did not... I don't know how good of an accomplishment that is, but... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hagrid... D- outsmarting Hagrid <laughs> is not I don't know if that's really a, 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 a metric you can judge someone's power on. I hate these because it, it implies that there is a story happening that just didn't. Like, the idea that McNair is this weird, like, consistent foil for Hagrid, I love that idea and it just doesn't yeah. exist. I love, I love that this is clearly modeled after, like, I don't know, like the 30 most powerful Dragon Ball villains or something (laughs) where there's like pretty there's like a pretty consistent like level of um, like conflict that's happening where you can kind of like count characters wins and losses, you know, and like see their feats of strength and whatnot and like see what their powers are. Whereas these are so background. Right. It's really difficult to do this kind of like power rankings with them. Uh, so McNair was further tasked with infiltrating St. Mungo's in disguise to deliver a devil's snare that would be fatal to the poor ministry employee Voldemort had Imperius to take the prophecy from the Ministry of Magic. Whenever Voldemort needed a violent man to clean up a mess, McNair was there. Again. Uh, I love that. It's not in there, though. Love that idea that he's like the Death Eater fixer. Yeah. That'd be so sick. If he was, yeah, if he's, if he's fucking the, the guy from... Better call Saul, uh-huh. but, for, but for Voldemort, that would be so cool and spooky. Did do we know that he did the devil snare thing? I don't remember that. I mean, that's a really minor detail, so I'm sure it's I'm sure it's in there somewhere. But yeah, that's just probably not... is. But it's just like it's a random name, you know. Yeah, it's not. 
Yeah. McNair did that. That again, I admire there's a there's an element of fan fiction to this. Mm-hmm. Of like it's it's cool that they're able to squeeze this much juice out of these characters who are kind of nothing, but none of this is based in any anything in the text, I don't think. Um so that's the first 15. How are you feeling? Should we Great. Should... I'm feeling great. I I want a character I know. You want a power, I want, more power okay, I want to know if Snape is number one because I okay, think he should we're be. We're powering through. We're doing it. We're going. We're going feature length, and we're gonna. We're gonna do mm-hmm. all thirty mm-hmm. here. Number fourteen is Regulus Black. Mm, okay. Regulus joined the Death Eaters at a young age and was swept up in Voldemort's vision of the world with pure blood wizards at the center. He was already being indoctrinated by the Black family into believing Voldemort's prejudice. Uh, this made it all the more remarkable that Regulus openly defied the Dark Lord. Regulus took the Horcrux from Voldemort's hiding place, even signing his name to the act and vowing to destroy it. Regulus never made it out of the cave to finish the job, but he still struck a huge blow to Voldemort's plans at a time when almost no one knew of the Horcruxes. I mean, yeah, I guess destroying a Horcrux is a pretty powerful thing, like, that a Death Eater did. I have a question about this. Sure. So he he died like was Voldemort or like wizard security got him in the end, right? Did he die? To, I think he died to the zombies. That's and, right. And then and then creature and then he was like creature, my last wish as he's like getting dragged right. back into the pool. My last wish right. is you destroy this Horcrux for me. And then creature teleported out with the special magic. So no alarm system in the Horcrux cave, huh? No, no. <laughs> No, Voldemort never figured out that like someone had been there and died. He didn't get his note. Yeah, he never he never got the note. That's so funny. All right, number thirteen. This is a really funny one. The Lestrange brothers. What? Not it, wait, Bellatrix. Wait, there's two brothers. Yes, I forgot about them. They're, Wait, is the this like the Property Brothers? There's a third. There's, there's a, a third yeah. brother. <laughs> the third brother is Bellatrix. She's got the wild like emo hair. That's true. So there's two Lestrange brothers. Yes, I completely forgot about this, and I don't know why they've uh, uh, put them together here, considering they split some other pairs off in this set. Um, the Lestrange brothers were fanatic followers of Voldemort as much as Bellatrix was, even after Voldemort's defeat. And here's the part where that where I remembered that these were two characters: Rodolphus and Rabastan. Oh, participated in the attack on Frank and Alice Longbottom. Oh yeah, that's I remember those names: Rodolphus and Rabastan. Voldemort considered them loyal Death Eaters for looking for him after his disappearance and refusing to forsake the cause. This devotion made to Voldemort made him extremely dangerous. The pair was noted to be present during every important battle. I don't... There are two battles. Um, though their actions did not seem noteworthy. Oh, okay, great. So they're... <laughs> <laughs> Vol- uh, Rodolphus even managed to survive through the series, appearing again in The Cursed Child. Oh, managed to survive. Wow. Wait, Rodolphus managed to survive, appearing again in Cursed Child to tell Voldemort's child Delphini of her heritage. Great. Some Delphini lore. Love here. that. Number 12 is Electo Caro. I feel like they should be weaker. Like, 12 seems really high. <laughs> they-, they got. 
absolutely destroyed as yeah. soon as as soon as McGonagall started caring <laughs> enough. Yeah, absolutely wrecked. Uh, Electo and her brother Amicus were the bane of Hogwarts students. Elect- okay, if they're gonna say that they're powerful because they like bullied eleven year olds, <laughs> I really don't think that counts. Electo's first major appearance was the infiltration of Hogwarts, where she left the fray of battle to help trap Dumbledore in the Astronomy Tower. Next time the Caros are seen, they have been appointed professors at Hogwarts under Headmaster Severus Snape. They were placed in charge of discipline and made life a nightmare for any Hogwarts student that crossed them, even forcing Neville into hiding. However, her powers at Hogwarts managed mattered little when she tried to corner Harry Potter. She was stunned by Luna Lovegood and stayed tied up in Ravenclaw Tower until the Battle of Hogwarts was over. So they just are in that net the whole time. They are just in the comedy net the entire time. <laughs> they're in the they're in the net that the Ewoks put C three PO in in Return of the Jedi, and they've mm-hmm. been stuck there the entire thing. Yeah, does not seem worthy of a number twelve slot. I've got to say. Mm-mm. Number eleven is Amicus Caro. Wait, why is he more powerful? Why can't the Caro? Okay, if they did the Lestrange brothers, why can't the Caro siblings be one? They're like, they die in the same spot. Yeah. Amicus ruled Hogwarts with an iron fist alongside his sister Electo. He took over the position as Defense Against the Dark Arts professor, turning it into a position that solely taught the dark arts. That's right. (laughs) He took the defense part off. It's crazy. (laughs) He showed incredible cruelty by forcing his class to practice the Cruciatus curse on students in detention. Upon Harry's return to Hogwarts, Amicus discovered his stunned sister and planned to blame the students for the mistake of calling Voldemort without having Harry in hand, unlike his sister who was taken down by Luna. Oh, here we go. Here's some justification. (laughs) Unlike his sister who was taken down by only Luna Lovegood, Amicus's defeat required a Cruciatus curse from Harry and a binding spell from McGonagall, placing him slightly higher in the ranking. Did it require a Cruciatus curse? I don't think it required it. I think he just, like, got his (laughs) ass kicked more than his sister. Yeah. I don't think that like Harry was like okay. I know that this guy's one weakness is the is the Cruciatus curse. No, I think it was a little over the top. <laughs> That's the affix for this week. It's the Cruciatus curse. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's that's pretty flimsy reasoning. I think you could say that they are they are both at the same level, and it's much lower than here. Yeah. We're into the top 10 now. Are you ready? Wonderful, yes. You ready to hear some characters you might have heard of Maybe. Before? We'll see. Number 10 is Lucius Malfoy. Huh, low on the rankings here. Yeah, bottom 10. Uh, Lucius Malfoy is the first true Death Eater fans are introduced to. While he avoided Azkaban and did not go looking for Voldemort, he continued to put the Dark Lord's plans in motion. In Chamber of Secrets, Lucius Malfoy is the main instigator for everything that happens in the book. Up to Order of the Phoenix, Lucius commands other Death Eaters, taking the lead in the Battle of Department Mysteries. After his defeat, though, Lucius falls out of favor with Voldemort, and he is reduced to living in fear for himself and his family. In the end, he no longer cared to be a Death Eater, abandoning abandoning Voldemort to ensure his family's safety. Wow, how brave. Yeah. Yeah, again, not very powerful. I guess Uh, we don't really know, like, how good he is at spells. Yeah, he doesn't really fight much that we see. I think he, like, tries to stun Harry at one point, but then, like, a shelf gets knocked over in front of him. Yeah. And they run away. Mm-hmm. That's really, yeah, it's really difficult to, to like, judge the power of these characters. They're not, because spells are pretty binary in this. Mm-hmm. You can either do them or you can't. Right. Um, 
And it, that makes it really difficult when, like, the characterization of most of these guys is that they are huge pussies. And just as soon as, as soon as, like, Voldemort challenges them on anything, they're like, oh, well, I'm leaving. Goodbye. It also seems like maybe halfway through the series, the idea that some spells are, like, harder or easier to cast just gets thrown in the garbage. Yeah. Because, like, yeah. Moody said that whole thing about how, like, all of the students could point their wands at him and use the killing curse and he would get like a nosebleed because it's really right. hard to do or they're not powerful yeah. enough. But that just, I guess, is gone. Yeah, you can just do it. It's just a gun. Yeah. You point you point and click. It's That's it. Number nine is Peter Pettigrew. And this one, without a doubt, has my favorite opening sentence. Number nine, Peter Pettigrew is, without a doubt, a pathetic figure. <laughs> yeah. He did blow up a street. And, like, yeah. kill 13 people. Yeah, Voldemort knows, himself knows Wormtail has no true loyalties, just deference to whoever he fears most. However, it's hard to deny the widespread impact he had on Voldemort's plans. His friendship with the Potters made him a valuable spy, and his rare ability to become an Animagus allowed him to get away with far more than a normal Death Eater would. Pettigrew was also Voldemort's main assistant during Goblet of Fire. He found Voldemort in Albania and saw his transformation through to the end. Without Pettigrew, it's impossible Voldemort would never have found the aid necessary to return to his true form. I would like to point out that this is uh, this is a con very conveniently excluding the part where he gets absolutely rocked by Dobby. <laughs> Just full-on obliterated by, by this little funny guy. Absolutely. Without a doubt, a pathetic figure, number nine on the list. <laughs> number eight, Narcissa Malfoy. Wow, two slots above Lucius, huh? Hmm. Narcissa is an un under underappreciated presence among the Death Eaters. Though she is never stated to be a true Death Eater herself, she has a position of power through her connection with her husband, Lucius Malfoy, and her sister, Bellatrix. It was Narcissa who provided the information that would draw Harry Potter to the Department of Mysteries, which was gained through her... Uh, family connections to creature the house. Oh, yep, yep, that makes sense. She hosted the Death Eaters in Malfoy Manor, and she gently guided Lucius in his uncertain position with Voldemort. However, her most powerful act was her defiance at the very end. She lied to Voldemort about Harry's demise, ultimately leading to Voldemort's downfall. This is a very poetic answer when really I just want to know how powerful her spells are. Yeah, I yeah, I guess. But also, this is weird because it's equating her ability to do good with power right because this is hinging on lying to voldemort and changing allegiances at the very end mm -hmm. which is cool like it's cool she does that i don't know if that's power like you say i want to know what spells she can do what's right. how, how many wands does narcissa have yeah can she can she effectively wield a triple spell Number seven. You know him. You love him. Thorfinn Roll. Ooh, up pretty high in the rankings. Yeah, I mean, he's a big, tall, he's the heavy, right? He's... Yeah, well, in elves, they have very powerful spells. That's right. Thorfinn Roll was often shown among Voldemort's premier Death Eaters. <laughs> Ooh. He was the henchman Harry and his allies feared the most during the infiltration really? of Hogwarts. I guess? I guess they said he was a big guy. That's, yeah, that's a big Death Eater. That's the enormous death blonde Death Eater. The huge blonde guy. <laughs> Roll held his own dueling Remus and Nymphadora Tonks. He was able to think on his feet when his curses had no effect on Hagrid, instead distracting Hagrid by setting fire to his hut! <laughs> <laughs> that's true power. 
<laughs> oh, my spells don't work on you? I'll set your fucking house on fire. <laughs> he was also one of the Death Eaters sent to capture Ron, Harry, and Hermione at the Muggle Cafe. He was stunned by Harry... Uh, who was under his visibility cloak in the course of many known duels only harry was able to defeat roll and possibly only because harry was invisible at the time yeah i mean i'd say he's pretty powerful he like 2v1 3v1 and blew up hagrid's house he's definitely one of those enemies in a shooter who like takes like like you know you've got to shoot their armor off and then like Mm -hmm. maybe do like a combo move on them yeah He's definitely he's definitely got that going for him. So I, I'd say out of all of them, this is maybe the most accurate so far. Mm-hmm. He seems he seems pretty powerful. Number six is Antonin Dolohov. Mm. Dolohov. I, think he, I think he's about to kill Lupin. So yeah, yeah, he he might earn this one. Dolohov was uh, usually the most dangerous of the background Death Eaters. Uh, Dolohov was a. <laughs> That's really not that that uh, impressive, given what we've read so far. Dalhoff was a highly skilled wizard who defeated some of the most accomplished members of the Order. He fatally defeated Remus Lupin, took down Mad-Eye Moody, and fought Sirius Black evenly matched. In the Department of Mysteries, he continued to duel using nonverbal magic even after Hermione used a silencing charm on him. Okay, there you know That's it. pretty there cool. Go. That's pretty good. That's some power. Yeah. Um... During the cafe attack on Harry, Ron, and Hermione, he defeated both Harry and Ron. Before Hermione stunned him in a sneak attack, he was finally taken down by Professor Flitwick, the champion duelist. Ooh, I'm excited to see that part. But you know what? I'll give him this one. Another one? This one's power. He yeah. he, he did nonverbal spells. That's cool. That's, that is cool. He sounds dangerous. Yeah, I wouldn't want to fuck with Antonin Dolohov. What about number five, Corbin Yaxley? Corbin Yaxley did not often venture into the fray of battle. Okay, so not a great start here. (laughs) Instead, taking a comfortable position ruling over the Ministry of Magic. When Yaxley did show power, he was a wizard to be reckoned with. He placed Pius Thickness under the Imperius Curse and kept him under... But he is not the expert, to be clear. I love that that political power does not register for Screen Rant. Just not a big deal. (laughs) Not a well, big deal to have political power. But it's weird that they wrote that in the old and like the previous one, but they've ranked this guy pretty high. But also I think this is supposed to be like a DBZ power levels art. It's all over the place. <laughs> uh he was uh he placed Pius Thickness under the Imperius Curse and kept him under it through the rest of the war. When Thickness and his puppet uh, minister, he ran the ministry with an iron fist, ruthlessly hunting down Muggleborn wizards. Voldemort sent Yaxley for several dangerous tasks, such as re- recruiting the accomplished wizard Slughorn. Um, he was also a powerful duelist, as he was evenly matched with Professor Flitwick during their duel. Hmm, that's pretty good. Yeah. If you, okay. So if, if if Flitwick can defeat Dolohov, but not Yaxley, I, I'd say that fairly puts him above Yax or uh, above Dolohov. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Got it. Number four. Controversial one here. Uh-oh. Fenrir Greyback. Mmm. Yeah. First sentence here. Fenrir Greyback was never allowed to be a full Death Eater. Okay, but what is a full... Okay, whatever. Because of the pure blood disdain for werewolves, that didn't stop him from being absolutely bone-chilling. Even Dumbledore admitted that he feared being turned over to Greyback because of his animalistic brutality. Greyback left his mark throughout the story, turning Remus Lupin into a werewolf, permanently scarring Bill Weasley, and claiming several other victims. He was stunned or held back on several... Yeah, Bellatrix got him into, like, the down state. 
where like a where like a partner needs to come and res him at the end. That was really funny there. Yeah. She really worked him. Yeah. Um he was often targeted first because he was the most prominent threat in the room. Whenever Grayback was part of a Death Eater attack, his presence was all- okay, so he's the tank. Yeah. Alright, we gotta get the You always the- kill the ads first. <laughs> no, you gotta go for Fenrir first, I guess. Bad strats, honestly. Number three, Barty Crouch Jr. Ooh, and they have a lovely picture of David Tennant making the crazy mm. tongue face here. Yeah, I bet. Barty Crouch Jr. played the innocent, confused boy so well that it came as a surprise when everyone discovered he was a loyal and extremely effective Death Eater. Barty- okay, also, I need to show you, I never noticed this in the movie, but get a load of the military uniforms on these ministry guys that are holding him back. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah I think I'm very focused on him in the scene, but that's weird. He's got like a, yeah, he's, he's very front and center. He's got his, he's got his crazy face. He's got the purple suit on, but he looks like he's being held back by some like Bosnian soldiers or something. It's <laughs> very weird. Who are huh. those guys? What, what division of the ministry is that? Very Does the ministry have a military? Yeah, these are really military-looking dudes. They're wearing, like, olive drabs and, and berets. This is very... I'd never noticed this before. Who are these dudes? That's is this the? I wonder if this is the, like, magical law enforcement squad. Why do they whatever. have military uniforms? I don't know. I'm After we record, I'm going to Google wizard... Wait, hold on. Let's just... Wizard... Wizard world military oh no not wizarding world military discount no (laughs) (laughs) is there a wizarding world military in the harry potter universe cora that's what i want to know there we go um not as such based on the descriptions given in the books and the other materials the magical law enforcement patrol are the beat cops the auras are the defectives Detectives, excuse me. Damn, I just did a <laughs> did a sick you Banksy. Just roasted them. I did a Banksy zinger on them. <laughs> and the hit wizards are the SWAT. The latter may have been closer to a military in the past, or there might be another group that was disbanded, but we don't really know. Maybe these are hit wizards. Maybe. Uh, or or do orders because orders don't have uniforms right like moody no they're moody like detectives is, right yeah moody is like a plainclothes detective uh so i don't know who these who these strapping military men are you know jk rowling is very willing to call things wars in these books and apparently didn't consider whether wizards <laughs> would have a military there's no actual military but very willing to call stuff wars a lot. Not even like like so literal the, official like the first wizarding war, yeah. the second wizarding war. Right. There's no military, which is like okay. So there's like remember when the Star Wars prequels were coming out, and in Clone Wars, everyone was like, how how did the Republic not have a standing army? And it's like, well, I mean, like it is a little silly, but like standing armies are a relatively new concept. Yeah. But, like, did did the Wizarding World not even have, like, did they not have levies? Did they not have, like, conscription? What's, they have nothing. The Wizarding World just has, like, nothing, I guess. I mean, it's just like, there's no, there's no commentary on it. Like, even if they didn't have a standing army, and maybe right. we're like, oh, we're, we're wizards, 
no, we don't have a standing army. We're not prepared for this. It seems like it would at least be a consideration. <gasps> There's some real takes in this Korra article. No, there isn't. This is why Voldemort goes after Hogwarts, because he wants to train young wizards to believe in his views and come to his side. If there was a wizard military, Voldemort wouldn't have had to be defeated by a 17-year-old boy. Placing a lot of faith in, in a fictional wizard military here. Wow. Yeah. I mean, the I th military would have joined him because he is in. He did a coup He's... and is in charge of the government. So. Yeah, he is. <laughs> right, he he did a coup and took so over the entire government. Like, so it's not like he is attacking Hogwarts because there's no military to stand. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I guess the answer is these guys are a movie invention. I have no idea. I will have to research this further. I would love to know what these guys are supposed to be. Number two. Drum roll, please. You'll have to add it in afterward. Yeah. Uh, Bellatrix Lestrange is number two. Snape's going to be number one. I knew it. Maybe. Maybe. I maybe, haven't scrolled maybe. down. Okay. Maybe. Okay. Bellatrix Lestrange is the quintessential woman you would never want to meet in a dark alley. Everything about well, Bellatrix. That depends. <laughs> I mean, I, I wouldn't just say that like a blanket <laughs> statement or anything. I feel like you'd find a lot of people that would disagree with you. Thinking about the nine-foot-tall vampire lady that they just put in Resident Evil and going like, eh, you know Remember what? Remember when Bellatrix turned her wand into a whip? Yeah, that was cool, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, painting with a broad brush here, Screen Rant. Um, everything about Bellatrix is frightening, from her fanatical devotion to Voldemort to her laughing cruelty and love of causing others pain. She refused to... Again. <laughs> <laughs> screen Rant. Screen Rant. Kink so shaming a little bit here. Yeah. Um, she refused to believe the Dark Lord was gone, so she searched for him after his defeat and attacked the Longbottoms. In battle, she always came out with an upper hand. Even in defeat, she was usually able to destroy Harry's strongest allies, as she is personally responsible for ending the lives of Sirius Black and Dobby. No, not Dobby. We don't need any more Dobbies. <laughs> Through all of her appearances, she was always the foremost threat, a chilling presence that Harry could never manage to entirely defeat. Fair enough. Yes. Fair enough. Yeah, she she did spells pretty good. Yeah. I still can't get over how obvious it was that Harry's you, you were right, Bellatrix, or Bellatrix was right, you really do have to hate someone thing was, like, clearly meant for her. And it's really, it's really strange. It's so, so roughshod. Okay, number one. Number one, are you ready? Number one, yeah, I'm ready. The number one most powerful Death Eater, according That's to Screen right. Rant. That's right. Is none other than <laughs> the inimitable, incredible Severus Snape. I knew it. I knew it. It's Severus, so obvious. Severus Snape started out as a real Death Eater, proving himself useful by bringing Voldemort news of the prophecy. Snape is already gifted as a Hogwarts student, so he was likely already a powerful Death Eater. However, he showed his true worth when he switched sides to help Dumbledore protect Harry from Voldemort. Again, I just want to know how powerful his spells are. Yeah, I want to know he can I want to know what his his special moves are, what his spells can do. Uh that's the most important part, I think. 
Mm-hmm. Again, uh, similar to the Narcissa one, weird to lump in being able to switch sides as a Being power. a good guy. Yeah, being a good guy doesn't make you the most powerful bad guy, Again, honestly. I, I, want, I want the Dragon Ball Z rankings. I'm not really interested in the, like, poetic part. <laughs> I need the power. I need the literal power <laughs> levels, please. Snape planted himself within the Death Eaters, working against them at every turn without ever raising suspicion. He played every other Death Eater like a fiddle, even fooling the Dark Lord himself. He was powerful enough not only to set all of Dumbledore's plans in motion, but also make it look like he was all in service of Lord Voldemort. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's that's true. Also, he could fly. That's the, yeah. Can we list the real reasons that Snape is the most powerful wizard? Number <laughs> one, can fly. Uh, I think he does nonverbal spells too. Yeah, he's um, a really good duelist. He holds his own against McGonagall and Harry, and uh, I think at one point, no, I guess he does he fight Voldemort. Is that who kills him? I forget. I think Voldemort just sets the snake on him, and the snake bites oh, him. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he, I mean, he, he invented a shitload of potions. Yep. He, uh, he invented in- a bunch of spells, too. He invented, yeah, invented Sectumsempra. sword spell. Yeah. One of the cooler spells, really. Definitely. Uh, that one, that honestly seems like, because he is the only character I think we know who has made a spell. Mm-hmm. And is, like, completely unexplored as that is. We don't know what that entails. We have no idea what that really means he did do it so he's also the guy that they go to when there's any kind of dark magic stuff like the locket they brought to oh, him right yeah um and when dumbledore had his hand burnt off right Snape, like made sure he didn't die immediately yeah he can make the werewolf potion yep he's a powerful wizard he is so I, yeah i think he deserves to be a number one here absolutely uh, even though they they've snubbed his true his true power rankings here, right? Uh, they he they did rightfully put him at number one. Mm-hmm. Incredible! Thank you, Screen Rant, for pumping out this absolutely batshit crazy content. This yeah, is, it's a little confused. It's a confused listicle, but I like it. It's a confused listicle, and I think one that is reaching into some truly deep pockets. <laughs> Like, we've got Evan Rosier and Mulsiber on here. Mm-hmm. Jugson. I mean, yeah. there's there's some deep cuts here. Oh, yeah. That are very impressive, um, but, but very funny to put on, like, a clickbait listicle. I wonder mm-hmm. how many people know who Jugson is. Like, even Harry Potter fans. Is Jugson, is Jugson a well-liked fanfic figure, do you think? Uh, not that I have ever encountered. No, Jugson... AUs. I mean, we probably we talked extensively, or I guess joked extensively about Jugson. And when I went to try to summon up thirty Death Eaters, I did not come up with that name. <laughs> so, <laughs> all hail Jugson! Jugson mm-hmm. is an incredibly powerful wizard. Yeah. Uh, despite what anyone says, I think he'll mm-hmm. always be he'll always be number two in my heart after Snape. I think. Well, that is all 30 Death Eaters. Uh, thank you for joining me on that incredible journey. Uh, that's that's uh, that's quite powerful. There are two comments. One is, I think that Bellatrix is the strongest. Wrong. The, there's one reply 
No, it's Snape. That's me. <laughs> that, that's, that's, that's the eternal debate right there. Also, wait a second. This, oh, this article was published. Oh, it got re, okay. This article got re-pushed out. Similar to the Fantastic Beast thing at the beginning of the show, mm -hmm. I think. Because this is from a while ago. Mm -hmm. It appeared in my newsfeed as, like, a new post. But these, these posts, number one, I think Bellatrix is the strongest. 42 weeks ago. Mm -hmm. The reply, no, it's Snape. 29 weeks ago. <laughs> so, a 10-week period where someone was like, hang on a second. It's Snape. It's Snape, for they sure. They had to let him know, and I mm -hmm. agree, because it is Snape. All right. Well, we have gone very long this week, but very deserving, I think. Mm -hmm. Crazy chapter, wonderful Scream Rant content, um, but we should take it to the close. Our theme song is Hot McGonagall by Cheshire Moon. Huge thanks to them, as always, for letting us use that as our theme song. You can check them on a Bandcamp, but you can check us out at patreon.com slash streetcast. Always, always lots of fun content there for you. We've got higurashi recaps we've got video games for playing we got bev beverage reviews uh one time i put mio and a coke on there lots of lots <laughs> of important scientific research undertaken on the common room and more and liz what are we reading next week we're reading chapter 32 it's called the elder wand Ooh, that that famous object that important wand yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait to learn all about the powerful stick. Mm-hmm. Until then, please read another book. Please read another book. To the dream, but there's a lady there makes ocean rolls seem tame. Better know what you're after if you catch her eye. Cause this hot mama is just a cat in disguise.